Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, Grump. Not a great week for the Islanders by any stretch of the imaginations. Well, it's not true. Uh, we played well Tuesday against the Rangers, uh, and I told everyone, you know, everyone – the Pollyanna people, you know, Josh Bailey's the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, you know, scoring doesn't matter, you know, whatever, the ridiculous comments that were made. And uh, I said, you know what? If Josh Bailey comes out and performs like he did that night, you'd never hear me complain. Well, Josh Bailey has turned back into the pumpkin of who he is, uh, even playing on that second line, or I guess it's their second line now, who knows, the uh, Pajot line. And uh, – you know, uh, we underwhelmed. That's all I'll say in the last two games. That's being nice. Yeah, and I, I told you this too. I mean, this was this was a big. This is going to be a big three game series against the Washington Capitals. Obviously, we got the loser point there um, on third and tonight. Oh, Jesus! There was a few weak goals let in. And it just looks like we just didn't have, we just didn't have the get, we just didn't have the urgency from the get go tonight, and that's not something you can have this late in the season. Well, but think about it, right? I mean, this is a serious point I'm going to make right now. The only thing that's been consistent about our team this year is how inconsistent we are from period to period. And I have to ask, you know, I ask myself a question. This is a veteran laden team, right? They everyone knows what to expect. They've been in the system for three years now with marginal changes to the lineup. And we still have points of the game where we're just flat. We either come out flat or we'll start gangbusters, then go flat, and then or we'll play whole periods. We'll have a great first period. Then we're miserable in the second period and dead in the third. Why is that? I mean, I have to ask myself that question. Do you have the right players? And I'm saying the majority uh, when you can't get consistent effort out of that. I mean, today I thought, I thought we, positionally we were okay for the most part, um, but it's like we aren't didn't have the legs to get to those loose pucks, and Washington just they just outworked us today. The fourth line was terrible, and I mean their fourth line dominates, and that's been most of the year, right? There'll be some games where our fourth line's been pretty good, but for the most part they've underwhelmed this year. Yeah. I- at times, the fourth line has looked good, uh, but in general, I do catch a drift. I mean, like the, it's not the greatest fourth line in all of hockey anymore, like it used to be in the past. Uh, you know, that being said, they're not the reason. We <laughs> if I mean, like you really can't put a single finger as to why we lost tonight's game. I know Sorokin led in two weak goals. Uh, in the same token, though, the effort wasn't there. The turnovers, a plenty. People not back checking. Um, you know, way too soft there as uh, the Washington Capitals are entering our zone on many different situations. It's it's not something you would want it to have seen at home as well. Again, the Islanders had the best home record in all of hockey, and that's just not a performance we have become accustomed to to see the Islanders play at the Coliseum. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I just find it funny. You're coming down the stretch – and I think that Washington has played with more urgency than we have the last two games. And they're the team in first place. What does it say about us? 
Maybe we're not capable of those efforts against good teams. That's entirely possible. Well, I, I we'll we'll dive into that too, Grandpa. Before we get too in depth, I, we do have that the ad to read there from DraftKings saying that this weekend's UFC fight two sixty one is sure to be a can't miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all all players are shot millions of dollars in total prizes. And if you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete at a shot for millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Grumpy. Well, I'll tell you what, TJ. You have outperformed uh, Kyle Palmieri at this stage. That was a clean uh, promo. Highly unusual for you. Uh, it was, it was a clean ad read, and it took a lot of practice, Grump. I've been staying up late many nights fretting over if I can get that that ad read crisp and clear. And I also think it's uh, pretty apparent the trade for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, it was an F. I won't say it's an F. Come on. It's not a bust. I will tell you one thing, though. They've done nothing. They've done nothing. We'll get into how they've produced so far, grumpy old man. But um, again, we got some stats to look at. Uh, we'll discuss, I'm sure, uh, some more. But I'm not sure if the, this, the tone of the game was set tonight by Sorokin letting that weak goal in right off the bat. I'm not sure if that set the tone for the game to where everybody was more lackadaisical or had a lack of urgency. But it was almost right off the start. Man, oh, man. Oh, well, I don't think that ha I, I, it was a team thing, but it's been like that all year, right? I mean, we'll play good for a while. We don't score because we don't have any goal scorers on the team, but we'll, we'll can uh, control the play. And then, you know, it's like we go to sleep and we forget everything that Barry has taught us. Um, I, I mean, like I said, I'm questioning, where do we go from here? I mean, I, and I, I realize they're not breaking the team up. I got that. But it's like at this point in time, where where are we going? I, I'm looking to the future because this season's over. This season's over. I mean, for me, this season is over. We'll make the playoffs and we'll get bounced in round one. It doesn't no, we play. Stop, please. Come on. Give me a little bit of a break. You it, know, I'm not going to make such a hyperbolic statement like that, Grump. Well, you don't need to, but I can. That's fine. So when we lose in the first round, here's the thing. It's the, everything I've said was going to come true has come true. Grumstradamus, once again, has told you what's going to happen. And like I said, you got some glad-hander Pollyanna types like yourself who, you know, come out there and, you know, we're sticking up. Yes. Oh, well, you know, hey, we were great against the Rangers. We were great against that. Let me tell you something. No. It's a one-off. I mean, look at how we've produced. I mean, again, no Ovechkin. We give up six goals, and we didn't play well. 
Well, you Ovechkin, want to- Ovechkin was there. Stop, stop real quick, Grump. You want to know the funny thing? Ovechkin, they, they mentioned on the telecast here today, uh, Ovechkin has missed five games so far this season, three against the Islanders. You want to know the funny thing about that? The three games he missed against the Islanders, the Islanders lost every single one of those games. That's, that. that's what happens when one of your good players gets injured, everybody steps up. I mean, that's what happens. Here's the thing. Are you He's trying to liken? Hold on. Are you trying to liken this situation to the loss of Anders Lee? No. What if you would have let me finish before jumping in? The only player we have to worry about is Matt Barzal. If he goes down, who steps up? Nobody. That's who. Because we don't have anyone who's capable of stepping up. Here, here is an interesting take, Islander fans. And you know, this is for you, Grump. I already know your answer, but this is for the Islander fans that are listening out there, listening to the live stream and the podcast. Thursday's game against the Washington Capitals. Again, I we try not to pick a bone too much with the lineup that's out there unless we see that there is a glaring issue. Again, we might be completely wrong, but I think it's our responsibility to bring up points that we think may be negatively affecting the team. So, you know, take it like this. Thursday night, we ran with a lineup out there of Leo Komarov as our first line left winger and Michael Del Cole as our second line, second line left winger. And just to go ahead and give you a little a stat breakdown, grumpy old man. So this season, Leo Komarov, 28 games played, zero goals, five assists. Michael Del Cole, 25 games played, one goal, three assists. As Islander fans. Impressive. Well, as Islander fans. And again, we are Islander fans, and we bleed blue and orange here. We do, despite how it might sound for some of you guys. We honestly do bleed blue and orange. But here's my thing. As a fan, can you honestly take a look at this team? We're rolling out guys in, in a consistent lineup of Leo Komarov or Travis Ajak on the first line left wing position and Michael Del Cole as a second line left winger. Do you really feel honestly pumped about that lineup? Do you feel excited? Do you feel like that lineup can produce offense, which is what this team desperately needs? I know it wasn't tonight what we needed, but we've been in a scoring drought. Do you feel like rolling out Travis Ajak or Leo Comrall from the first line as a left winger and Michael Doe Cole is the answer and the solution? Do you feel like that's going to bode well and have success for us this year? Are you asking me that question? I'm asking that for the fans. I, I know your answer already, Grumpy, but I'm also asking this to the fans. Yeah. Okay. You really think that that's going to go ahead and bode successfully for us? Okay. The answer is no. I'm going to answer for the fans because the answer is no. And people wonder why we don't score, right? Where are the articles on, you know, the stability and the veteran leadership that Leo Kamrov brings? He calms everything down on the first line. And, uh, you know, Michael Del Cole is such a hard worker. He generates so many chances. No, no, they don't. They're sidecars. They're Josh Bailey's. That's all they are, okay? When you look at a, a team, your first and second line wingers who've played half the year and have scored one goal between them, what does it tell you? You don't have enough offense. Everyone well, knows that. Everyone should know that. It's not even that we don't have enough offense. Could you imagine the Tampa Bay Lightnings, the Colorado Avalanche, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington Capitals at any point of time in their season rolling out Two top six forwards that combined for one total goal at this point of time in the season. Seriously, could any fan imagine that? Again, no. I know, I know, and understand 
all that matters is a win. But your top six have to be able to provide scoring in some capacity. And when you have your first line left winger and your second line left winger on any given night combining there for one goal on the season, you have to feel you have to feel a little nervous. You have to feel like you have got a little bit of angst. Well, you know what, TJ? I, you know, I, I realize we're going to get into this, but you know what makes me feel nervous? That the NFL draft is coming up Thursday, and we still haven't told people where they can listen to us on the NFL draft. Well, yeah, Grump. I, I guess this is a quick aside here. We are launching there an additional live stream podcast there. Um, we're going to start off probably like once a week. It's going to be the first day this next Thursday, the NFL draft live stream. Uh, I'm looking forward to it with Grumpy Old Man. It's going to be on a separate channel, not Islanders related. Um, so again, if you like the content Grumpy Old Man and I produce, this is going to be a channel more geared towards all sports, not just hockey. Um, and we're going to be covering more uh, sports, current events on sports, etc. So we're going to be covering the NFL draft, and you can find it there, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. So it changes things up a little bit. It's not going to impact what we do here on the Islanders channel, the Islanders Never Say Die podcast at all in any capacity. But we just want to go ahead and provide more content. And I think uh, you know we've had people asking us there for more uh, and also in different fields. So I think this is a good way we can go ahead and do that and meet that, uh, meet that need there for the uh, – for you guys out here, listen. So hold on. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. You, you know, because I'm, uh, you know, socially ignorant. Uh, I'm going to say you're tech-tarded, but yes, go ahead. Yeah, whatever. Uh, that's fine. Um, so how can these people find this? Is there a Facebook thing? Is there a, is it going to be a stream? You can find us there on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter at TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Just got popped up on the screen, Grumpy Old Man. TJ and the Grumpy Old Man is all that's needed. You'll be able to find that page. And that, what about, uh, is that for Facebook too, the same thing? Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I expect everyone who listens to this page to subscribe to that, to both of them. I'd be disappointed if they don't. Honestly, I would be. Yeah. Just subscribe. I don't even, well, I do care if you listen, but, you know, <laughs> but yeah, subscribe. Help us out, please. <laughs> oh, Grumpy Old Man. Um I, I do want to get back to the Islanders. Oliver Wallstrom now sat third game in a row. It's funny. It all started off with speculation of, hey, we need to go ahead and give Oliver Wallstrom time to recuperate. He's sluggish. It's been a long season. He's not used to this type of stuff. We need to give him a chance in order to go ahead and recoup, get his legs back. Well, it's funny. Um, after that time period, not so much. Now Barry Trotz comes out and says that his practice was kind of dipping the last few weeks, and he noticed that the gameplay was also dipping as well. So now it looks like Oliver Wallstrom is going to be riding the bench for a little bit until he can prove it there in practice. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it just lies, first of all. it's He's a young guy. And he's the easiest guy to sit. He's a young guy. I'm going to stick with the veterans, regardless if they can play or not. Obviously, they can't. But he doesn't care. He's going to roll out the geezers out there any chance he gets. Uh, you know, I predict, will he be in the lineup on Monday or Tuesday? Um, perhaps. But I think it'll be the Spencer Michael Del Cole. I think you will see Leo Comrov back in the lineup. Uh, I just, you know, we can't score goals. And the guys we put on the wings, or the guys who we refuse to put on the wings, are guys who are capable of scoring goals. Uh, 
because we want to go with the steady guys who all they do is play defense. It, to me, it's frustrating to watch. Here, Here's the thing, and I want to go ahead. There's a few points. I really had a chance to think about this. Deep thought. Not just me, you know, uh, kind of rambling on and on. Deep thought about this. The Islanders are a team that has is very stout defensively. Usually, you know, albeit tonight wasn't a great example, but good goaltending. And the scoring necessarily isn't absurdly unbelievable. But again, middle of the pack there. We have to make up for it with excellent defensive play and excellent goaltending. But we've come through this lull in this part of the schedule here where a team is struggling to score goals. So what do we do to go ahead and fix that? The adjustment we made was instead to mitigate and take some of these scorers out of the lineup and to continue to reinforce the defensive side of the puck. That, that's why you get shut out. That's why you get shut out how many games? Because you don't, you're not capable of scoring. I mean, today, Casey, Casey Zekas was horrible today. He had a, a good and I, I said to my I said to my wife, the warden, I said to her, I said, here's the thing. Casey's got the puck right in front of the net, a rebound, and he can't handle it to put it in. Anyone who's any good puts that puck in the net. And he just can't. And that, but you know what? That's the Islanders. That is the, And I love Casey Zekas, but that's a typical Islander player. Not a whole lot of skill, a lot of hard work, but when things aren't working, you're going to get rolled. And that's what happened tonight. Unbelievable hard work. And I'll tell you this much. It's Okay, I think it's it would be unfair if I didn't say this. Teams, no matter how good they are, occasionally will have nights where they get rolled. It's just not comfort, comforting for Islander fans to see this consistent trend to where we had struggled to score goals, and the night that we do score goals besides against the Rangers is a night where we play completely undisciplined hockey with zero urgency. It's not reassuring to see for Islander fans right now. I mean, you have to look at it like this. That Monday game we come out against the Washington Capitals is, I look at it like this, it's a must win. It really is. I mean, we're sitting right now third in the division, and uh, depending on what Boston does here with these games in hand, they most certainly can leapfrog us and we'll be the fourth in the division. Yeah, I predict we're going to be fourth in the division. I think we will make playoffs. Um, I'm still picking Boston to win division, even though they ha- lost uh, to a horrible Buffalo team yesterday. They lost six to four to Buffalo. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, but they're three points back with two games in hand. They're only, uh, what is it, six points out of first or something like that. And they have a pretty breezy schedule the rest of the, rest of the way. They play us the final game of the year. That's an automatic win at this point. Uh, so, uh, you know, but I, it, it's, it's funny, uh, from my perspective that fans don't see it for what it is. It's, it, I don't, I, I can't, I, you know, I explained to you and it, you know, it was so nice to see today, Adam Pellick post game, uh, say what I've been saying forever. It's, he's like, well, you know, we have to play a certain style game where we play button up defense, blah, blah, blah. And, if we get into a running gun game, we're not going to win many of those games. And that's his way of saying what I've said. If you get in a run, get running gun game, you're losing. But, you know, he has to say it the way he said it. But it's nice to know the Islander players believe in what the grumpy old man says also. Here's the thing, too. This is a game that was, if you look at it and you look at what occurred during the game, this is a game really don't think the Islanders could have lost. We had two power play goals. It's our first multi-game or multi-goal power play performance since I think it was what month are we in right now? We're in April. Yes. Since February. We had no multi-power play goal games 
in March, and this is our first one of April, right towards the end of the month. And we score a shorty. We have three goals on special teams today. If you're telling me the Islanders scored three goals via special teams, one on the penalty kill, two on the power play, I would, I'd take my money to Vegas and said, there's no way in hell we're losing that game. But the five-on-five play just wasn't there. Well, you haven't been watching how we've been playing five-on-five recently. You realize in Thursday's game against the Caps, we had one shot on goal in the third period of a nothing-nothing game, five-on-five. How many of those games are you going to win? I mean, we had three shots on goal in the third period. How many of those games are you going to win? We had control of the puck in in the overtime period for four minutes, and I think we had one shot on goal. I mean, you're talking about the power play today, which I thought was better. Why? Because the puck movement decision-making was better. Who was out there when it looked good? Dobson, Barzell, Pajot, Bavillier, and Everly. Well, you know what? Those guys aren't afraid to move the puck. And here's the thing. Noah Dobson shoots the puck, and most times he puts it on that. And if he doesn't, it kicks right out, and Pajot is able to pop a goal in. That's the thing, too. When you throw the puck towards the net, just like Dobson does, you might not score off the initial shot, but – you're able to go ahead and create those secondary chances like we saw Bavilia was able to cash in on last game or two games ago. And we saw recently here that uh, uh, John Gabriel Pesha was able to cash in on tonight. Right. And how did how did the invisible number 12 do? Well, it's funny you mention that. Our boy Vinny Smith, he always gives me that Josh Bailey report from the night. Minus three, zero goals, zero assists, zero points. Um, you know, again, playing the third most minutes as a forward, uh, again, power play production, never quite so much there. Josh Bailey did not have a good game tonight. And I'll tell you one thing. He also didn't have a good game tonight. Matt Barzal. Yeah. I, I think he's just frustrated, totally frustrated with the situation that he looks like a frustrated player out there. And then you got, you know, again, Butch just can't help himself. Like I said, Butch gets his marching orders from Barry and Lou, without a doubt, and the Islander brass. They tell him who to rip and who not to. They blamed him today on a blind pass that Zajac made center ice, just threw to the center of the ice where nobody was there, and he tried to blame Barzell for not communicating where Zajac was for that puck. He didn't even look. He just just spun around and threw it to the center of the ice. I mean – and, he's, and Butch even said, well, I can't hear if he did or not. Then why are you saying something? Because that's the company line. It's okay if we rip Matt Barzell. It's okay if we rip Noah Dobson. It's okay if we whip Soro- whip, uh, rip Sorokin or uh, Wally. Those are guys it's okay to rip. But none of the older guys, here's the thing, no, no matter how bad they was, he kind of, even when they, even when he kind of said they were bad, he kind of sugarcoated it. Well, yeah, they haven't looked real good today. But, you know, sometimes you just have games like that. And, you know, Barzell turns the puck over at the Washington blue line and everybody loafs back and he gets the blame for that goal given up when it was actually Bailey who held the puck up so the guy could poke it in. Good job, Bailey. That's the only goal he scored was an own goal tonight. Great job. Bailey. No, he had an assist. Well, here's, Bailey, a thing, here's the thing, too, about Josh Bailey, grumpy old man. Okay, that was a bad turnover by Matt Barzell, almost at center ice. Adam Pellick was leading the charge again. They were trying to get, they were trying to go ahead and uh, get a little offensive uh, movement, get to penetrate the offensive zone. Adam Pellick was ready to make that break. Um, Matt Barzal loses the puck, gets intercepted, and then what do we see, grumpy old man? 
Josh Bailey doesn't skate and back check hard enough. <laughs> and so bad turnover by Matt Barzal and a bad job back checking there by Josh Bailey results in a goal there for the, the Washington Capitals. And then also, right, two bad goals that Sorokin let in. But where was it? It was a bad game. And I do just want I do want to let people know because I am receiving calls there. We are going to be opening the phones here in a bit. And we got a little change up coming with that. But Grump, I do want you to go ahead and continue with your point and response. Yeah. Where was Adam Pellick when uh, Matt Barzal was rushing up the ice? He was he was ahead of him. He was about honestly what should have happened. Barzal should have gone ahead and made that pass there to Pellick. Pellick could have gone ahead and entered the zone, allowed Barzal to get that change. But again, here's the thing. Bad turnover by Matt Barzal. No doubt about it. Also, bad job back-checking by Josh Bailey. Just like there were bad goals let in by Eli Sorokin today. The thing is, we don't just pick and choose what players play poorly. When they have bad opportunities and they don't do well, we, we identify. It doesn't matter if it's Matt Barzali, Sorokin, Josh Bailey, Adam Pellick. doesn't matter. When a player doesn't do what they're supposed to do, it's worth us mentioning and noting. That's right. My whole thing is we call out everybody, not just one guy, particularly a young guy. I will not do that. It, if he makes a bad play, and he did, but here's the thing, right? If here's the thing, if I was Butch and he was one of the sacred cows, well, this is how he this is how he would have described it. Well, you know, Matt Barzell, he did lose that puck, but you know, that's the type of style that he plays. He's not a dump and chase guy. Everyone knows that he kind of comes back and forth and dipsy doodles with the puck. So the rest of the team should have stayed back. That's how he would cover for it if he was a sacred cow. But what do you think about that? I do. There was also something interesting I read. You talk about sacred cows. Now, this this is an interesting one. Now, now the member who I read this for is a contributor there on Eyes on Isles, believe it or not. Grumpy old not, the Islanders Inquirer? He was he's he's a contributor there for the uh, the Islanders Inquirer. And I thought he brought up a really, really interesting point. Uh he says there, and I'll go ahead and show it to you on screen too, because I, I want to give him credit here. And I think it's an astute point. I'm glad people are coming around to seeing it. I think it's a very, very well way to word it. He says, Barry's a great coach, and I wouldn't rather have anybody behind the Islanders bench. But when the New York Islanders were, he meant to say, were playing inconsistently under Capuano, people were willing to question if it was a symptom of something the coach was doing wrong. That just doesn't happen anymore. So again, when we see inconsistent play, I, this is how I look at it. When we see inconsistent play and we see those type of issues there uh, that a Barry Trotz coach team has, we're not allowed to criticize Barry Trotz, but if there's anybody else like Jack Capuano, Doug Waite, you list the name of the coaches, then it's okay to go ahead and question. But because it's Barry Trotz, we can't question. Barry you know, can't question anything. Yeah, here's the thing, right? How long have I been saying that? That very point have I been saying that, you know what, when the when the team doesn't come out perform, I'm questioning Barry, Right. No one else wants to question him. Finally, you you start reading some of the uh, uh, articles on the web, and they're all coming away to my way of thinking that I've been saying for months and months. And all of a sudden now, they're parroting the grumpy old man. It's about time you got on board, okay? But here's the thing, right? Why are they not criticizing Barry Trotz? Why are they afraid to criticize Barry Trotz? Because when you've been a loser franchise for so long, for so long, what happens? You're just happy that, you know, hey, we're going to make the playoffs. That's not good enough in my book. I'm sorry. But that's that's the reason why. That's why the media is afraid. They're afraid of Lou Lamarillo, and they're afraid of Barry Trotz. Well, here's my thing, right? What do you look at as a successful season for the Islanders? We talked about it last podcast. If the Islanders lose in the first round of the playoffs, not a success. When do you think the year would be a success based off the Islanders' current makeup? 
Seriously. And I look at this in a few different ways. Man, oh man, do we have a deficit of top line left wingers. When you have to go ahead and roll out a guy like Leo Komarov or Travis Ajak on a consistent basis to play on the first line left wing position, and you've also got Michael Del Cole filling that second line left wing position, man, oh man. Kind of makes me queasy just thinking about that lineup. Could you imagine a lineup like that facing up against the Tampa Bay Lightning? And again, like I understand name value isn't everything. Point production isn't everything. It's how you gel. It's how the cohesion there. And the Islanders have always been a team where the sum is greater than the parts. But at a certain point, talent occasionally beats out no matter what type of effort you have. Again, tonight wasn't a situation where the Islanders are putting forth a million percent effort. But when you get in the playoffs, when everything gets so granular and where every little mistake gets magnified, that is when talent can really come out and shine as long as they put forth the effort. Now, here's the thing. I'm not sure whether Oliver Watson's going to see the ice. Oh, I'm sorry, Grump. Go ahead. Okay, listen to me. I can't listen to you anymore, TJ. You're speaking that dull monotone. You're putting everybody to sleep. And your point, we got your point. We got it. Okay, we got it. All right? Here's the thing. What's going to bring us to uh, our call-in segment? You wanted to mention it up. Uh, here's the thing, people. Listen to me. TJ's way too nice. He fields, and here's the thing. TJ does a spectacular job. He fields all the calls. He reads all the comments. He does everything. All right? Granted. But here's the thing. We had a couple of calls last week that were perfect calls. They come in, make a point, and say, hey, thank you. I'll come off and listen. Then you got other calls that want to stay on here and think it's the TJ, Grumpy Old Man, and Joe Matadot show. It's not. It's the <laughs> Islanders Never Say Die podcast with TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. All right? We want to take calls. We want to talk to people, but you have to have a point. It's not just where you monologue. So here I've taken out the scissors. And as you're talking and watching the live screen, if I feel, that's right, if I feel that you're getting too long-winded, I'm going to come out and I'm just going to kind of stroke them a little bit like Brutus the Barber Beefcake used to do. And then when TJ's watching and he sees me go like this, that means cut him off. And that's what we're going to be doing. Okay? Oh, okay. We love talking to everybody. But here's the thing. If I'm talking to somebody for 10 minutes and I see that we're losing a bunch of other people wanting to call in, that's not fair to the other people calling in. So that's the way we're going to handle that from now on. TJ didn't want me to come out and be a hard ass, but that's just the way it's going to be. I don't mind you coming out and being a hard ass. And I, I honestly like the fact that you brought scissors out. I, grumpy old man. That's funny. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and... <laughs> <laughs> those look like some old ass scissors. So let me go ahead and show those to me. Yeah, there they are. You know what they do? They cut off callers who are irrational. <laughs> Stop. Oh my gosh. They're metal all the way through grumpy old man. Those have to be ancient scissors. They don't make all metal scissors. I don't feel like what are scissors made of? Aren't they made of metal? Yeah. They've got like the little metal and they've got like the plastic on the ends <laughs> because they're made cheap. That's why. These sisters are probably, I don't know, probably 40 years old. And you know what? They still work. I don't have to worry about plastic breaking off them. Some of the some of the paint is worn off because they've been used. But you know what? They still work. Oh, like goodness gracious. And beware. Well, beware. There's the number. I want to talk to people. Stop, Grumpy. We did go ahead and open up there the line. Oh, we've already got a call in, Grumpy old man. Uh, as you can see, guess what? Grumpy. What? I fixed it to where I can get it to... Uh, Oh man, oh man, I'm sorry. I you know what I think I screwed something up. 
Give me a sec. I had to hang up the first one. I I fixed it to where we wouldn't have to worry about any items to the uh, ringing. What about the ringing? ringing? We wouldn't have to worry about the ringing, grumpy old man. But hold on, did you fix that? Did you no, fix that? I did not fix that. Paige fixed it. So well, I, you just tried to take credit and say you fixed it, but that wasn't Paige, the case. Paige fixed it. I'm sorry. The lines are open, and now I have fixed the issue there. But Paige fixed it to we're no longer going to have to worry about the incessant ringing. I'm sorry. I had to hang up there on somebody. If you call back in, we'll be able to get there to you. Um, but Paige has fixed it to where we should no longer hear the obsessive ringing, grumpy old man. So uh, your wish was her command, and uh, she did a great job of fixing that. So I'm, I'm very well, happy about that. Because that was annoying. I mean, it was annoying to me. I guess I didn't fix it. Jesus. Okay. Oh, I apologize, grumpy old man. I swear we had this fixed here. Hey, you're live here with TJ and the grumpy old man. What comment you have for us? What question you have for us here tonight? Uh, it's, it's Mike. I just want to ask grumpy if it's okay if I just rant for two minutes and get off. Yes. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, if no, you see me, Mike, Mike, are you watching the live stream? Yeah, but it's going to be behind Grumpy because that's just okay. how it works. It I'm, ahead be behind of, I'm ahead of you because I'm on the call. When you see me going, getting it warmed up, that means make it quick. But we love you, Mike. Go ahead, please. Two minutes. Ready? So Go first, ahead. I just want to start off with Trotz being absolutely outclassed by LaViolette with his old team. I think the lineup decisions with Barzell are horrible. Absolutely terrible. Zajac is worse than Kama. They're both terrible. He shouldn't be there. We have two guys in Wallstrom and Bellows, both young players, a combined 12 goals watching this team suffer. With MBC and, and Komarov and Zajac with a combined two goals in an Islander sweater. Then you have Bailey out there doing absolutely nothing some nights and okay others, and Butch never calling him out, but feeling free to call out Barzell. I feel like this team could have went out and gotten an Andreas Athanasiu, which we talked about before, a guy who skates like Barzell, and can maybe put up a few goals with him. The refs have been terrible. But if this team keeps playing the way it is, because uh, Buffalo, they're going to have a first-round exit. They can't play this way. It doesn't work. All right, thanks, guys. I'm good. It's really frustrating right now being a fan. Everyone everyone is behind this team because we've, we've only seen mediocrity for, for like 20 years. So, oh, they're in a playoff spot. They're contending. They're not contending. They would get whooped by any team in the first round they play like this. Hope it changes. Have a great uh, podcast, guys. I'll be listening. Thank you. Thanks. Let me tell you something about Mike. Mike knows how to handle the call. And he, uh, all right, he used, he ran a little bit long at the end. Oh, he did a great job. He did a great job. Pick him up and put, put him, pick him up and hold. I, I can't put him on hold, so we'll just hang up. I'll let you make well, it. They can just listen. Okay. Here's the thing. It was nice what Mike said. I believed in everything he said. That's why he didn't get the scissors, first of all. Even though he maybe went a little bit long. That's okay because he was speaking the grumpy old man mantra, which I just love hearing from other people. So, Mike, fantastic call. Thank you very much. Who's next? I, well, Grump, I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much, though, grumpy old man. It, I think he brings up a good point, right? The, the reason – the thing is, it's the things we've been saying here for a long time. The reason Islander fans are completely behind it, because we want to see the Islanders succeed. Yes. That's how it is, grumpy old man. Yes. I mean, and he's I sent the caller's voicemail. Goodbye. I got too too late. I apologize. Okay, and he was spot on with about the refereeing, which I, you know everyone says, "Oh, West McCauley's this West McCauley's." 
Okay, Wes McCauley sucks. So you can, you can pick him up and just tell him the whole thing. Hey, what's up? You're here live with TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Grump, I want to tell you more. Tell me more about how Wes McCauley sucks. Come on. Uh, he calls a penalty. And here's the thing. It was a penalty on Everly. But right there, he's looking at uh, Orlov just ripped Palmieri's the stick right out of his hands and no call. I mean, he sees Barzell getting cross-checked and hooked and interfered with all the time. No calls. He's looking right at it. It's, to me, everyone says how great he is. If I have to know a referee's name, that means he sucks because he's he's ingratiating himself into the game. Referees shouldn't even be known. They should be like offensive linemen. No one knows them. That means they're doing their job. Well, thanks, grumpy old man. Now we've got a caller here on the line. Sorry about that. He ran a little over there. Who do we have calling in right now? Cut. What's up, boys? Cut. Look. I got to go off for about a minute, then I'm going to hang up. That's fine. That's that fine. Let me tell you something, D-Cut. Before you, I just want to say one thing. I want to say one thing before D-Cut goes off. I want to, and TJ, don't give me that face. I'm sick and tired of you seeing face because I'm not dealing with the company line, okay? Here's the, Here's the thing. I was not talking about people like D-Cut. It's clowns who come on here and don't have a point. So go, D-Cut. I know you always have a point. All right. Here's my point, guys. First of all, shout out to the Misery Crew, Jay Rich, Brian P., Matthew Scaloff, and all the boys. Second, I am so pissed off at this fourth line tonight. They sabotage the game. Every tweet I see from Staple, from Gross, from Compton is about Fazel's turnovers, about Sorokin's play. They never rip these guys. They sabotage the game tonight. They shouldn't have played a minute in the third period until it was 6-3. I'm going. I'm so pissed off. I got a bad back. Good night. I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thank you, D-Cut. Uh, I appreciate it, D-Cut. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, like, the reason why everybody attacks Matt Barzal is because he is by far the best player on this team, head over heels better than anybody else. So they become accustomed to him being able to carry an unbelievably immense amount of weight on his back and the dead weight on this team sometimes. And they expect him to be able to do that on a game-in and game-out basis. For example, Thursday's game against the Washington Capitals, right? Matt Barzal had a breakaway, he had a few chances. People are upset. Matt Barzal's got to go ahead and execute there on a breakaway. Matt Barzal's got to do this. Matt Barzal's got to do that. I mean, at what point, man? I mean, everybody has to share equal blame. True. Hey, you're live here with TJ and the grumpy old man. How, who are we speaking with right now? Uh, Brian P. Brian P. What's up, buddy? P.P. What's going on, fellas? So, I think I'm going to piggyback up on some of what these guys said and rant, rant a little bit. And you, and you know, I keep it like you. I think just like you, Grump. So you're going to like it. <laughs> so I, I mean, it's the same. It's the same garbage year after year. It's like they make a mistake. Like the young guys get tort. Like again, Thrash Wallstrom. In the media, oh, you know, he's been off in practice and he's been in a slump. Well, how bad of a slump is no goals and five assists in twenty nine games? How come? How come that's not a slump? Because you know why? Because there's not a, another team in the employee on this planet that would put Leo Komarov in their top six. He's a fourth line grinder. He's just killing Barzell. His point production is going down because he should have got another ten assists if he had a decent left wing on the side. It's so frustrating. They, uh, oh, Barry's, Barry's, all right. Barry's a good coach, but he's not great. 
He's Lex Ryan. He cares about defense only. The defensive genius says he doesn't even know there's a net on the other end. It's frustrating. But what do you what do you guys think? Well, here's the thing. I mean, we could tell definitely we're on a New York style podcast, so you're you're likening uh, Barry Trotz to Rex Ryan. I'll definitely I, I get I get the sentiment, but uh Barry, Barry uh definitely a slight edge out over Rex. Um that being said, you see people always try to complain and make excuses to where no matter what the coach does, they they have unbelievable amounts of trust in them. To see now, people originally shift their thought process of the reason Oliver Wallstrom is not playing is because he's hurt. This is a great decision by Barry Trotz. We want to get him healthy. He needs to be there for the end of the season. Now, when Andrew Gross comes out there and says, hey, actually – it's because we're having issues there and uh, he wasn't doing well in practice and he tailed off there towards the end. Well, now all of a sudden people are saying, this is exactly what he did with Noah Dobson. This grade is going to help him develop into an extremely good player. And it's just they're yeah, continually yeah, making excuses for this. And my, my, whole point on, my whole point on this whole thing is I knew he was talking. I know, I know it wasn't because he was given any time off. It's because if he hasn't any option to sit a player and it's a he's going to sit the young player every single time. That's what he does. It doesn't matter how poorly yep. it doesn't matter how poorly a Bailey a Nelson who had a poor game today. Nelson was terrible early in the year. Do you think or Letty or Mayfield? They've all had really bad stretches this year. Does Barry ever consider sitting them down? No way. I'm going to sit a young guy. You know how you send a message to a team? You sit one of the favorites. Hey, guy has one bad game. <laughs> right. And, but the whole thing is, how do you send a message to a team? You don't send a message to a team by sitting a bottom six defenseman or by sitting a third-line winger. You sit a guy like Anders Lee when he doesn't produce or Josh Bailey or one of the sainted ones or Brock Nelson. Those are the guys that you sit. If you want to send a message to the team, because then everybody picks up because the older guys know they have nothing to fear. They have nothing to fear about having right. a good game or a bad game. Yep. And the fourth line, the fourth line is another one. They never get blamed for anything. We're to keep throwing them out there. Seven years ago, Don Cherry said they were the best fourth line. Seven years ago. <laughs> and they're still, still rolling with that. It, uh, it, Absolutely mind-boggling to me. They have it. You know, when they say that's the Islanders' identity line, if the identity is to be outplayed and outchanced in your own end and have no offense, then they are our identity right now. Oh, <laughs> the identity is slow and non-skilled. Perfect. Oh goodness! Thank you very much. Thanks, thank you, thank you, Brian. We love you, baby. All right, love you guys. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to speak a little further to the point I made too. To see fans automatically gravitate towards this is the best decision, sitting Oliver Walsh from allowing him to get his head right to understand that he can't go ahead and lack or be lax here, like a like poor play that he had over a nine game stretch is comical. Now again, I'm, I'm going to break it down on a few different levels. You can make a points like that for young players early in the season. 110% agree with you. No issue at all with that. Because when it's early in a season, it's not like you're trying to hit stride. You're trying to build more uh, fluidity there as you enter the playoffs. As you're entering the playoffs, 
you don't want to be jumbling lines. You want to have a consistent lineup. You want to have guys out there that you're going to continue to roll throughout the playoffs so you have consistency on the ice. And again, being an ex-player, you saw occasionally coaches make points to players early on in seasons when they weren't doing XYZ right. They weren't going ahead and marking men. They weren't doing their position. They weren't going ahead and following their assignment close enough to a T. You saw occasionally coaches teach young players lessons. I have no problem with that. It needs to happen every once in a while. That being said, as you're getting ready for your playoff push, it's the best players play at this point. You know what I mean? The teaching process is it's over at this point. I have no problem with you continually teaching them because there are going to be teaching points even if you don't sit him. There's still going to be teaching points where, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do this differently. You're not doing XYZ well enough for us. You're not doing XYZ well enough to what my liking is. We don't think you're back-checking. We don't think you're putting enough forward, uh, enough uh, effort there in your skating. I, I mean, you can teach them lessons. Sitting them out and saying, we're going to play an inferior player over you to the role that we need and it makes the team suffer, that is where I don't agree. Not this late in the season. That's right. You're not doing what's best for the team. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You're not, you know, Bill Belichick is always great for saying, I do what's best for the team. Well, you know what? Not always. I know we won't touch on that today. We're probably going to touch on that on an NFL draft issue for certain. Jesus. We're going to talk about that. That's the only thing I'm not looking forward to is your unbelievable love for Tom Brady, Grump. That's going to grow thin on me. I promise you that much. Uh, Nicole here, though, coming in for us, Grumpy Old Man. Phil. Hey, Phil here. You're live with TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. How's it going? It is good. How are you doing, sir? Oh, not bad. Not bad. I'll tell you. it's um. It's, uh, it was a rough one tonight, to say the least. Rough one tonight. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, tonight's game was, was a product of two things. One has been something that's symptomatic over the past four out of five games. They have not been able to register a five-on-five goal. Um, and I'll get to that point in a second. Um, but even if things were clicking uh, in a better way tonight and, you know, they were doing things more correctly, you're not going to win with the kind of goaltending they had tonight. So, I'll remove this game from this set of games in terms of saying that even if things were going exceptionally well, this is probably not a game they were winning just on the base of performance. Um, but the first thing, and I tweeted this out, is I agree with you, Walter needs to draw back in. I know you and I had the conversation um, initially about why he came out, speculation, injury, not injury. Um, you know, Then it became quite apparent that he was trying to get Zajac and Palmieri acclimated. Got Walter back in for, I think, three games and then took him out. It seems like it's practice-related. The guy, he's too good to sit. Too good to sit, especially when you haven't registered a five-on-five goal in whatever your last five games. The second thing is the we're 21 games in post-Andrews Lee. They've gotten one goal from Barzell's West in those 21 games. It just can't happen anymore. In my opinion, one of Pajot or Nelson has to slot up there. You got Zajac for a reason. You wanted extra center depth. You wanted extra center flexibility. Well, you've got a guy who's got, you know, oddly enough, Zajac this year is third on the team when it comes to even strength points. Use him as a center. Use Pajot or Nelson next to, next to Barzell. Load up the top line like teams like Boston do. And then make the line of maybe Zajac, Wallstrom, Bailey. You know, you do that. You put Louvillier instead of Dal Cole, who also only has one goal this year, with Palmieri and the other of Pajot and Nelson. And that's a pretty effective top nine. You just can't have your top two left wingers combining for two goals and aisle sweaters. It's just not going to work. And the last thing I'll say on the point of, you know, people starting to 
you know, get a little bit down on Trot. Trot isn't a dummy. We all know he's a fantastic coach. Trot is well aware every time he goes into battle against the Pittsburgh, the Washington, or Boston, that four out of the top five players from a skill standpoint in those games are on the other team. We've got Barzal, they've got Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak, and, and, and McAvoy, right? He's not dumb to this. We're not going to overrun them with our skill and with our talent. We're going to do it with a team with a team kind of game and a structured kind of game, the way Trotz does it. That's the only way this team could have success, and that's how they had success in the bubble. So some of the decisions he makes are with that in mind. That being said, 21 games in, you can't just have one goal from Bar. Yeah. No, I completely agree there, Phil. And you're bringing up, I, I think it's a good point. He's got to play. He's got to play. You got to find a way to fit him there into the lineup. And everybody brings up, you know, you see occasionally people making the counterpoint. Hey, in Oliver Wallstrom's last nine games, he was a minus seven, no goals, no assists. I'm like, yeah, if you happen to tick the clock back just even a few games, you know, the prior seven games before that, he was five goals and two assists and a plus two. Right. Rookies are going to go through slumps and they're going to go through ups and downs throughout the season. I mean, that's one of those things. If you have a rookie, you just kind of have to live with it. And the thing is, they have to grow through it. It's called growing pains for a reason. Um, I, I, I guess I'm not a big fan when he's going through these pains to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and remove you there from the lineup. When the thing we desperately need most is someone who has the ability to put the puck in the net. And, you know, we're, we're benching a guy who can go ahead and do that you know, in favor there of two guys that, that add more uh, defensive stability, but don't really bring any offensive threat. Yeah. My whole point with trots and trots is a great coach, but here's the thing. And Lamarillo is not bringing in the right players, but here's the thing, you know, he's in communication with Barry trots. He's not just picking guys and not discussing with Barry trots. Barry's in on these guys. These are the type of players that he wants for his system. Okay. That's what the whole thing's about. You, that's why they're not going after the tail, not with, with gusto after the Taylor Halls, guys who could score, or trying to make an offseason trade for a Patrick Line. No. Well, they, did, they did go after the Taylor Halls. Yeah, but not Patrick Line was there for the taking, right? And you wind up giving Devon Taves away. But the whole thing is, uh, you know, here's the thing. Don't tell me that Barry Trotz has no accountability here and he's not, he doesn't know anything about the players. They are in constant communication with the type of player that they want for his system. I firmly believe that. If you think if you think anything otherwise, I, I, I'm just going to tell you you're mistaken. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you on that, Rumpy. I think oh, that's I thought, I thought really, you really, you know, that'll... I'm sorry, Phil. I, I, I thought, no, I thought I, you were hung up. So I went on a rant. I'm sorry. I thought you hung up. No. Sorry. Oh, no, no, I'll, I'll get off in a second. I agree with you. I don't think there's any consultation that happens that doesn't involve, hey, you know, Barry, I'm going to look at these players and these are players that, you know, fit or don't fit the system. I think that's something that has to happen just because of the system there. You know, he swung a miss on Panarin, obviously. Taylor Hall uses their most support to Boston trade. But the last point I'll make also, um, you know, and I meant to squeeze this in there, is Cal Clutterbuck is cooked. Um, I said this before Clutterbuck came back three games ago. Um, that if it's between 47 and 15, Leo doesn't score. But I think Leo makes that fourth line better at this point. And I know they have the whole thing about the identity line. But Clutterbuck, and to no fault of his own, terrible injury to sustain the, the skate to the hands or whatever. Um, but he just doesn't have it anymore. You guys are doing great. I'll Thank you so time. much. Thanks, Phil. I do appreciate it. That's what happens when you have guys who are 33, 34 years old, playing in the NHL in a grinder role. I mean, they don't last. Cal Clutterbuck's been great. You know, father time gets everybody. I love him. Absolutely, Absolutely. love Cal Clark. 
and the thing is like you know we love every single player that's on the outers but you know it comes to a point where you're like what type of product do we need to put on the ice to consistently win to where we're a threat to the threat to win the stanley cup that's the main portion that's what we're all looking for we are looking to win a stanley cup the way the teams compose the window's finite we've talked about it before and it's not good to see that we're going to use points like this and we're going to use time periods like this to prove points to kids instead of sucking it up and trying to push through to win a damn Stanley Cup. And that's a thing, right? Uh, sure. If Oliver Wallstrom comes in next game and he's, you know, he's inserted in the lineup there for the rest of the season, I get it. I can tell you one thing. Very rarely do coaches choose a late point in the season to make a point to a kid who's not putting forth effort that he believes that the kid needs to put forward in practice. Very rarely. I'm telling you that. No issue at all with you making this point early season, mid season, as you are now less than 10 games away from the playoffs. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not liking his effort he's putting forward in practice. And, you know, I think it's kind of negatively impacting the play that we've seen there on the ice. So we're going to sit him for three games. The kid is too damn talented to sit for three games. Barry, this is where your job as a motivator is to get him involved. You say, hey, man, we need you. This is what good coaches do. They step the kid aside. They say, you're young. You don't understand necessarily what it takes in order to have a success long-term here throughout a season. I need you to do X, Y, Z. Our team success is reliant upon you stepping up and doing this. You got to do that. I'm sure he has. That's what good coaches do, though. And I'm sure Barry Trotz has done that. But uh, if he hasn't, that's one thing he's got to do. I'm sure he's done it, though, behind closed doors because you need to have him produce. Yeah, Um I'm in 100% agreeing with you on that, TJ. I'm not even going to disagree with you, even though I like to disagree with you on just about everything because you're usually wrong on all your points. I can't disagree with you at all on that. It's 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 one of those things. It's one of those things where I'll be interested to see how things continue to play out. And again, I'll continue to give Barry the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent. You can't continue, though, to let him not be in the lineup at this point. I think you've proved your point. I pray that Oliver Wallstrom is doing everything he's supposed to do at practice, uh, if that really is the case. If that really is the issue, I pray that he's doing everything he's supposed to do at practice there to make sure he's inserted in the lineup because this team desperately needs his production in order to be successful. I don't even think he's making a point. I don't even think he was really trying to make a point. The young guys, if they don't produce, and even if they do, if there's an option where he wants to play a veteran, they're going to be the ones who sit, period. Otherwise, he's not going to make any lineup changes. That's the way he's been all year. It's been the way he's been his whole career. Young guys sit, old guys play. I mean, TJ, do we have any comments? Because I mean, I, we're, we're about to start jumping to the comments. I know we're about 55 minutes in. I want to start jumping to the comments. And, and it's also important to mention, guys, we are only going to be doing the call-in feature on Saturdays going forward. Because, again, I know a lot of you guys like strictly comments. A lot of you guys like to call in. We want to be able to cater to both of those needs. And also, uh, Wednesday, we're going to be shooting more towards uh, – more guest atmosphere so again it's we're actually not podcasting this wednesday we're gonna be podcasting on tuesday post islander game so it's gonna be different it's our first time podcasting there tuesday evening but it's gonna be post islander game and we got a special guest grumpy old man that's very true we do have a special guest there and i think uh, i think the, the listeners here the podcast will enjoy it i know i'm looking forward there to it um but yeah jumping into jumping into the comments here brian peace because the islanders really missed that offensive machine leo Komroff tonight you know what i, I hear that i I don't like bagging on Lollipop. It's And honestly, it's Barry's fault. He's putting a guy in a position that he's not capable of doing. When you're asking players to do more than they're capable, that's a mistake by the coach. You know what it's like? 
you know what it's like? It's like allowing that kid, and again, you see this in the NFL sometimes, allowing that person who is an anemic left tackle, absolutely hideous, to go out there on the field, and your quarterback gets sack, 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 sack. You feel bad, for, and you know all the cameras zooming in on this guy. Uh, you know what, what's that phrase? You Joe Matzadots playing left tackle, playing left tackle for the New Jer- uh, for the for the New York Jets, and you zoom in and like, oh, this is a guy who was a, a free agent pickup, and they're injured, so he's been thrown into this situation where s- clearly he can't handle this, and uh, it's it's just he's just doomed for failure. He's just not talented enough to play that position. That's what I feel like occasionally when you're throwing a Leo Komarov out there on the first line. It's just not what his skill set's meant for. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to make it. You made you you once again, TJ, dragged out a comment that you could have made in like three seconds and put it in there for a minute. Let me tell you how what it's like. It's like taking an offensive guard and lining them up at wide receiver. That is the comparison. Okay, not about an offensive tackle getting beat by a defense. It's taking an offensive guard and making him a wide receiver and tell him to run a fly route. That's what it's like. It's not going to work because it's not his skill set. That's why Barry Trotz fails on that point. Matthew C. there says the only the only the Ranger game was a consistent effort by the Islanders this week. And I'm going to tell you what else. Probably a lot of Islander fans don't care that we lost to Washington as long as we beat the Rangers. And we played well against them. There are Islander fans like that. You do realize that, right? I cannot. I cannot believe that. I'm sorry. Maybe when we used to suck, sure, right, you could sell me on that point. But there is no way in hell Islander fans are like, you know what? I take you know two losses, one in overtime or one in overtime or shootout there against the Washington or one in shootout against the Washington Capitals and one regulation. As long as we can beat the pants off of those those Rangers, the Rags. I don't believe those fans exist right now. If our team sucked for certain. That would be a certain class of the fans would be would be cheering like that. I still think there are fans who think like that. Next comment, Brian B says, "Hey guys, wow, great game! I'm sure that is absolutely laden with a well, little sarcasm." I think that uh, Brian probably bet some money on DraftKings on Washington tonight. That's all I can say. Oh goodness gracious! Uh, Matthew S there says, "Horrible performance by New York teams against Washington today." That's right. The Mets got clobbered i think it was six to one by the washington i think it was seven to one and that was coming after the brilliant uh performance by jacob Degrom yesterday so I'll, I'll tell you one thing as much as we feel bad occasionally for voldemort aka matt barzal for the lineup he gets paired up with there i you have to feel bad even if you're just a, a casual new york fan a new york baseball fan doesn't matter if you're a yankee fan met fan you have to feel somewhat bad for Jacob DeGrom. This son of a gun could do absolutely everything for his team and get no run support, and the guy has been pitching out of his mind. Okay, here's the difference. Again, there's a difference. You don't hear – I don't even know who the manager is. Who's the manager for the mess now? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, whoever the manager is doesn't come out if DeGrom has a bad game or throws a pitch that gets hit for a home run. He doesn't come out and rip him. Even if he had, you know, eight shutout innings and then lose game one nothing on a home run in the bottom of the ninth uh, because he made a pitch that broke over the middle of the plate. That's what it would be like if it was Matt Barzell. Oh, goodness. Frank K says this team is in serious trouble, and it's funny, Grump. You have you've been you've been airing on this side where even if we were winning games, you still felt somewhat worried based off of the performance we saw on the ice. I know we were getting results, but you weren't happy with the way we were winning games. We didn't look very convincing in the fashion we were doing so. You've been echoing this here for a bit. I'm not I'm not hitting the panic alarms just quite yet, but I'll be honest with you. I, and and here's the thing: I'll be honest with you. We need to course correct. 
We have to course correct sooner rather than later, and Oliver Wallstrom has to be reinstated back into this lineup. Oliver Wallstrom's not going to make the difference. I, I'm just going to tell you, here's the thing. When you can only win one way, your team is limited. You're limited. And here's the thing. I mean, whoever thought I'd say this. I mean, they miss Andrews Lee on that first line without a doubt. Here we go. Right? Here. Hold on, hold on. Do you see that? Do you see that right now? We're going to start using the sound panel more often. That is an applaud there from everybody who thinks that you continually say average Anders. We got a little applause there, grumpy old man. We've got a before you start, before you start, it's Anders Lee. Stop talking. Before you start using a soundboard, learn how to get it so the phone calls don't ring so everyone has to hear it. That, that, that is your thing. I don't want to hear phone calls ring before you start play pushing other buttons. Get the right buttons where we don't have to hear that phone ring and interrupt when I'm going on talking about something, number one. But I feel that we're in trouble because, yeah, we were winning a couple of games, but we weren't playing our style of hockey. And I feel it's because we're an older team who's worn down by the end of the year, particularly this year. And next year it's going to be even worse because you're going to be playing a full season schedule. I mean, that's what happens when you have an old team playing a real physical grinder style. You cannot play 82 games in playoffs like that. It's just not going to work. Until we get some more offensive talent where we can win some games easily with skill, we're not going far in the playoffs. Here's, here's a callback towards last season. Remember, we had gone on a seven-game losing streak right before the bubble was instituted. And again, people forget that I think over a 14-game stretch, we had two wins or something like that over a 14-game stretch against the Red Wings as well as the Sharks. And uh, we were struggling mightily around the trade deadline and then after the trade deadline. Everybody pointed the fingers, oh, well, it's because we're missing Adam Pellick. You know, it, it definitely didn't help that we were missing Adam Pellick. In the same token, though, I think we're seeing a reoccurring trend, perhaps. I hope it's not the case, but where the age kind of catches up to you towards the end of the season, as Grump said. That, that is To me, that's what it is. The same thing happened last year, same time of the year, same thing's happening now. It, uh, you know, When history repeats itself, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Tom White here saying this is a good eye-opener. Sorokin is not as good as the hype yet. He will get there, but nowhere near it yet. We do not have enough firepower that the three teams, the three teams that we're battling with we have to rely on defensive structures consistently. I'll tell you one thing. We've said it before. Sorokin can look absolutely outstanding some nights, and other nights he can let in goals like he did tonight. You just left kind of scratching your head. I'll tell you one thing. You speak about consistency. There is one position I need consistency all of the time in, and I'd like to have it in. It's goalie. <laughs> That's the one position where you'd love to have consistency. Yeah, I mean, but Varlamov's had games like that, too, where he's looked like a sieve. Even when he's winning games, he'll let in some weak goals. Our whole – our goaltending is all predicated on defensive structure. It is. Now, Sorokin gave up two weekies today. But the reason why our numbers are so good is because we try to funnel everybody to the outside, not give up chances in high-scoring uh, high chance areas. And today we did that even, even though he made a couple of saves on those. That's how that's how our team is predicated on winning. And when it when it breaks down in front of the goaltender, it's going to be a long night. 
I thought he was fighting the puck today. I thought he was drifting back in the net a little bit, which he hadn't been doing. Remember early in the year when I said he was playing too deep? I thought he was playing too deep in the net, and that's the same thing Varlamov does. Well, now he had come out, but today I thought he sunk back in today, and I think that cost him. I think shots got on top of him where he didn't see him till they were on top of him. I mean, yeah. Weird. weird. Uh, Vinny Smith, our friend Vinny Smith, who gives us the Josh Bailey update. He said, how did Josh Bailey do? Negative three tonight off of the power play. We scored two goals. Off of the penalty kill, we score a goal shorthanded. Enough of Bailey, <laughs> Vinny Smith. Uh, uh, Deidre C there says, totally disappointing. This time, I expected a lot better. They are not near playoff form. I hold counts, uh, Trots accountable because he doesn't have the right lines out there. Here's the thing that I hold Trots accountable for. It's the thing I mentioned right off the top, the thing I've mentioned in the last few weeks. We're not consistent from period to period. That's on the coach particularly with a veteran team. I mean, because I don't think the players have tuned Barry out. Absolutely not. I think they believe in him. But if you come out flat to start a game, or you, uh, and then, the next, then you'll play a great second period and then go flat in the third period, or you're gangbusters to start for 10 minutes, and then you go to sleep for a period and a half, that's on the coach. Yeah, well, the thing is, I, I think you bring up a good point. Veterans are supposed to understand that they need a consistent effort for 60 minutes out there on the ice. And when you're not getting that, you know, sure, you can make excuses of, hey, this is a young team. You know, they need to learn, you know, what it actually is to play, you know, a complete NHL style game. You really can't make that excuse for the team we have out there on the ice. I mean, it's a veteran. It's a veteran laden team, particularly when you sit the young guys anytime they make. Like I'm going to tell you again, if he benched. And I'm not going to say bench Barzal because that'd be the guy he would bench to make an example. But if he benched a Bailey or if Anders Lee was healthy an Anders Lee or a Brock Nelson or a Nick Letty uh, or the whole fourth line and putting somebody else new, that sends a message to the team that there are no passengers because the way that the guy, I'm going to tell you, I guarantee you the way the guys look at it is there's no passengers as long as it's the bottom guys, as long as it's the young guys, they're the ones who aren't going to be passengers. He can preach all he wants how there's no pa- how he doesn't want passengers, but it doesn't mean that it happens on this team. The only guys who pay the price are the young guys. I don't disagree. And we're moving on there. Next question here, grumpy old man. Um, Brian P says, keep throwing out this old, boring, blue-collar team. It's funny. Our record is better when Wallstrom and Bellows are in the lineup. Yeah, I did. I did see, and again, you know, I'm not going to say it's completely correlated with that, but I did see the that statistic there that the lineup and and the the team's record is much better with Oliver Wallstrom in it than without. I'm going to say again, what should have happened at the beginning of the year, they should have played the young guys right from the start, because as they and you you go through the growing pains with them. You, you know what you're going to get from the Komarovs and the Martins and, you know, their ilk. But here's the thing. You let the young guys, because the young guys are the future of the team. Where they are now, if they were here, if you let them play through the mistakes, they, this is where their bar is. It's not down here where, you know, uh, all, the, all, the, all the jags on the team are. Their potential is so much higher. So at this point of the year, they would have played through the growing pains, and now they're ready to contribute on the big stage. That's what I would have done. They do the total opposite. 
Well, I get it, right? You want to make sure you don't rush players out there. I completely understand that in the same token, though. You have to have an integration of you to a certain extent. We've talked about it. It's not worth us detracting this podcast. That's more of an off-season talk, Grump, so I'm not even going to bother really too much with it. Uh, Eric K. there says, Washington can skate. We didn't skate enough to keep up with them tonight. I'm going to tell you, Washington can skate. And they're better skating. We're not a great skating team, except for a couple, a few players are good skaters. Everybody else is just average. And that hurts against teams. What's the one thing, TJ, I've said a hundred times, the most important, the, for me, the most important skill in hockey is the ability to skate. Because even if you make mistakes, if you have fantastic skating, you can cover up for them. When you're a slow skating team and you make a mistake, it ends up in the back of your net. <laughs> Yeah, you know, skating is always paramount out there. Um, Also, vision, the ability to pass has been as a huge, um, a huge, a huge piece of emphasis been placed on it as of late as well. Grumpy old man. Uh, Jeff S. there says we have more talent sitting on the bench than on the ice between Wallstrom and Bellows. That's the way Barry wants it. That's the way Barry wants it. He wants to play the old guys. That's that's all he cares about is playing those old guys. I mean, unless the young guys are absolutely perfect every single night, they're going to find a seat on the bench. Oh, man, oh, man. You know, you just hope that we're going to make an adjustment. I, I just – I think we have to go ahead and make sure that we're more of a consistent offensive threat. And I know we scored three goals tonight, but if you told me through the rest of the season we'd be averaging three goals a game, I would – I'd be shocked with the lineup that we're throwing out there on a consistent basis. The only reason we scored three goals today is because Washington got up on us and they got a little bit lax. It was so easy for them tonight. Steve K there says our demon aren't skating. They're waiting. And that leads to turnovers. Getting caught standing still hundred percent. Right. I'll tell you this much too. I mean, like they've been doing that. They're also a little soft there when the opposition was entering the zone occasionally again, that's not the reason we lost tonight. I'm just bringing that up as a point. That's not at all the reason we lost though tonight. Well, cause the gap control, the gap control was, it was terrible tonight, particularly in the first period. But I mean, but there were stretches where we were really, really good where we had good structure and then a loose puck. They beat us to every single loose puck. And I'm not saying our guys weren't trying because we certainly were, but I just feel that the, that Washington just has more skill and more speed, and they're able to get to those bucks. And those teams are going to, and the teams that do that are going to give us a hard time. Greg Frost says, How come nobody blames any of this on trots? I do. I will tell you this much. There are always going to be people out there who blame trots for everything, and there are going to be people out there who blame trots for absolutely nothing. I will tell you this much, at least based off the lineups he's thrown out there, I think he does have partial blame. You talk about the inconsistencies. Uh, with effort there uh, from period to period. I think that is somewhat uh, dependent there on the coach, as you mentioned, especially with a veteran la- la- uh, a veteran heavy group. Uh, there's definitely uh, – there is blame to be shared on multiple different fronts. Right. At the end of the day, who's the guy who gets fired when things go wrong? They can't fire the whole team. It's the coach who has to go. He's under no threat of getting fired. All right? And I think Barry's a really good coach. But – I think some of the decisions, the conscious decisions that he makes to be critical of younger players 
and letting older players skate when they don't perform well it sends a bad message. And that's kind of, I feel that's what leads to flat, dead periods during a game. Because let me tell you something. If he benched one of the vets, you'd see the whole team jump up. Oh, gosh, you benched him? you got to be kidding me. All right, well, I gotta make sure I go. You see coaches do this across the league when a guy is a veteran or a guy who's had multiple years of NHL experience. He's not playing well. They'll sit him. And again, you want to talk about you know trying to light a fire under somebody's ass. That's how you do it there. And that reminds everybody else like, oh, yeah, shit, my job's not as secure as I think it is. Um, I also want to touch on another point. We mentioned the trade that uh, that we made at the trade deadline. And again, you said now it's an F. I, you know, I'm not going to be that extreme. I will tell you one thing. It doesn't look like it's a B as of right now, especially the way we're using them and the you know what we've done there with the lineup. You know, if Kyle Palmieri was fit there on the first line at left wing position, sure, maybe it could have been a B. It wasn't. Uh, just to go ahead and give you guys an update there, Kyle Palmieri, nine games so far since the trade, one goal, one assist on a relatively anemic offensive team. And uh, Travis Ajak was healthy scratched once, eight games, one goal, one assist for a first round pick. And a fourth rounder and two players. Good deal. Great deal. Uh, how's how's Anthony Manta doing? He looked he looked uh, perfect out there last tonight, playing with. Uh, how was he able to slide into that first line with Oshi and uh, Backstrom? Boy, he looked he looked. He skipped a beat. Uh, right. I mean, that's what you expect, right? That's what good players do. That's what good play. And he's young. He's going to be with them for a long time. They gave a first round pick. Well, they got a guy who's going to be there a while and is producing for their team. So I get that trade. I'll give that trade a B for certain, maybe even close to an A. Why not? He's a guy who produces. You pick up a guy who's ready for the playoff run. Ours, nothing. And here's the thing. I don't even want to even hear about signing any, either one of these guys back. I don't even want to hear it. Alexander there says, I'm just pissed off and irritated over the last two games. First, Lamarillo has got to go. Horrible management with everything from the cap to Palmieri trade, to Trot sitting Wallstrom and putting those two bums, Zajac and crap Komarov. I I'll tell you this much. No, Lamarillo does not need to go. I, I will tell you this, though. Um, I, I think he's here maybe two years, maybe two, three years more. I he's old. He's older. He's 77, 78 years old. He's not going to be a general manager into his 80s. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be a general manager at 84, 85 years old. Um, that also being said, uh, Trotz is a great, excellent coach. He just does certain things to where I think it negatively impacts the team. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing. What I think, Lamarillo is not going anywhere. Okay. Trotz isn't going anywhere. What they really need to sit down and do, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to use the word full okay. rebuild. I'm going to use it. You know what? Maybe we should reassess the type of team that we want. Do we want a team that is just going to be a grinder that's not fun to watch? Or are we going to try to maybe change how uh, the style that we play on the ice? I mean, that's a big decision to make for them. And I, I'd love to see them say, you know what? We're going to try to be a team that has a little bit more offensive acumen as opposed to a team that just lays back and plays defense. Because with the older guys, that gets harder and harder and harder. You can do that with younger players who can skate all day long, but older guys can't skate. And we're seeing it now. We see at the end, at the end of these years 
what what it looks like. It doesn't look good. There we go. Uh, Sally Balls there, uh, 001, says Sezekis line was a brutal all game. They've been dominated by fourth lines most of the year this year, just dominated by fourth lines. Look at against Boston. How many goals we give up when they were on the ice then? The fourth line. Boston's fourth line scored, I think, two goals. And look at tonight. I mean, it's because that line is finished. I said at the beginning of the year they had a couple of games where they played well, but that's it. That, they've, that, that line's done. they've had a few moments where they shine, but otherwise, I mean, it's been mediocre to, you know, subpar. Michael M. also saying the fourth line was awful, so bad that I hope we get rid of them all. He also says, preach, Grumpy. So many fans are so used to mediocrity that just being in the playoffs is all that are, uh, gets them excited. Right. And, and, and who says that, right? In Louis Trust, in Barry Retrust, these are the type of people who just, you know what, they're sick and tired of just being losers looking for draft picks. So any type of success they're happy with, not me. I want to go for the brass ring every single year or at least be a contender. I just don't think we're a contender. You know, you said earlier, you mentioned about uh, what would be a successful season. To me, you got to get back to the conference finals again, and I don't see that happening. I just don't. Gotcha, grumpy old man. Um, oh, goodness, sorry. I, I lost some of the uh, some of the comments there, but uh, Mark S. there says, can't stand the blind officiating. I'll tell you one thing, too. It is criminal. With what they let teams get away from, way with on Matt Barzal, it's freaking criminal. Yeah, first of all, I want to say nice tries on Mark. Uh, by the way, Grumpy, and, give me a try pose, Grumpy old man. I need, I need your little pose there. Well, I, I, I'm wearing, I'm wearing the sweatshirt, so you won't be bust able to out of the sweatshirt with those huge rippling muscles. Maybe next time. <laughs> the officiating's been bad, though. I mean, I, I don't care what Matt Barzell said. You know they. They fired the guy because they caught him over, you know, over the loudspeaker or whatever. They caught him saying, "Yeah, I'm going to do a makeup call." Everyone knew that that was happening, just like everyone knows that they have it out for Matt Barzell. They don't call penalties that are blatant penalties that he should be drawing, and they don't get called. I don't care what Matt Barzell said about your mother. Do your freaking job. Your job is to when it's a hook or it's a cross check or it's a trip, you got to call it. That's what you're paid to do. Wes McCauley, you suck. You absolutely suck today. The fact that I have to hear your name on these, oh, Wes McCauley's a great ref. No, he's not. He's a piece of garbage. He's been terrible. When I have to hear the referee's name, that means you're not doing their your job. Well, they always throw Wes McCauley's name out there. Oh, he's so great. The players love him. They let him play. Yeah, okay. But when you pair him up with a partner out there who calls some ticky-tack penalties, it makes for a very, very inconsistent game. When he's staring at a guy and sees him get his stick ripped out or sees a guy getting cross-checked four times along the boards, when Wes McCauley is standing right next to it and doesn't call it, that's on Wes McCauley. He sucks. He's the uh, Bailey of officiating. <laughs> Josh McCauley. Oh, this Wes Bailey. He sucks. <laughs> Over the top, Grump, as always. I love it. This comment might send you a little bit more, but I need you to take a deep breath. Grumpy, I need you to channel like some inner Zen. I need you to go. All right, let's go. I'm gonna need you to calm down, Grumpy old man, because this might shock you a little bit. Jay Rich says Barzal is overrated. Compared to who? Compared to who? I mean, you can say that compared to who? Compared to the hype, I think is what she's saying that he gets. He's overrated. Really? What's the hype he gets? 
I think the hype he gets amongst Islander fans is that this guy is unbelievably talented. Now, I think he is unbelievably talented. I don't think he's I don't think he's overrated at all. Um, it's unfortunate, right? I, he hasn't done great as of recent, but only one goal from the first line as a solid line since Anders Lee's gone out. There's a reason for that. Playing as a man short. As much as you call Anders Lee average Anders, I will say this much. When your next options are Leo Komarov, Travis Ajak, and Michael Del Cole, you are like playing with a man short or playing with a guy who would usually be on an AHL roster, an AHL affiliate on most teams. And then you make a trade for a winger who's supposed to replace Anders Lee and you never put him with your number one center, well, that's on the coach. I'm sorry. That's on the coach. You don't score any goals. You acquired this guy at the deadline that I'm guaranteed that you approved of. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah, we can make Kyle Palmieri work. Why? Well, he knows the devil system, whatever. He can grind. He can play both ways. But here's the thing. You never put him with Matt Barzell or you never put – and Oliver Wallstrom with Matt Barzell, a guy who can shoot the puck. Why not? I mean, these I mean, these are simple moves you can make. Instead, you want to put guys who are scratches, taxi squad guys, fourth liners, and you put them on the first line. It's a rest. How is that a recipe for success? I just like I said, I don't understand what Barry does sometimes. I mean, he's smarter than I am, uh, you know, as an NHL coach, without a doubt. But you know something? Yeah, he is, without a doubt. Yeah. But you want to know something? Maybe he doesn't have any common sense, which I'm loaded with. Maybe he should try to get some of that. Okay, Grump. Moving right along there. Nick D says, sorry I'm late to the party. How you guys doing? Martin on at the last minute with Barzal and Everly drives me insane. What's the difference? There's no difference. It's no difference in having Komarov on that first line or uh, uh, Zajac on that first line. What does it matter? They're all the same guy. They're all Jags, every single one of them. Matt Martin, right? He was three weeks ago, he was everyone's toast in the town. The $6 million man, he's got five goals. Yeah, okay. So what he what does he did? He they regress back to what their normal thing is. He's a 32-year-old fourth wing grinder who doesn't really hit anybody anymore. Did you notice today? Tom Wilson didn't have any problem at all confronting Matt Martin in that first period. Not any at all. I'm going to tell you what. If Ross Johnston was on there, he never would have went and confronted Ross, Ross, Ross Johnston. I think is still. I don't know what's going on with Ross Johnston. I haven't kept up enough with him. I, I he got that concussion or hurt his hand. I'm not sure. He's been out there for a while. I'm not sure if he's back healthy yet. I, I'll be honest with you. He's not playing for us. He's not going to play. They don't like him. First of all, they don't like him. He's too tough. He's too tough. He doesn't play enough defense. His game is aggressive forecheck, hitting people, being physical and aggressive and intimidating. They don't want any of that. They want Melvin Milk toasts like uh, Josh Bailey, you know, guys who get run over. To, oh, well, they're real smart. Yeah, well, you know what? This is like they said in Bad News Bears. Hey, Ogilvy, this isn't like math class, is it? No, it's not, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. You got to perform. You got to be Kelly Lee. Uh, yeah. Uh, all righty there. Matthew S says, so we're just, so, uh, so are we going to just blame Wallstrom's practice performance for tonight's loss? I think that's how we should do, uh, because he's not doing what he's supposed to do. I think we can deduce that, uh, him not practicing hard enough is the real reason we lost this game tonight. Okay. I'm going to just want to say what then practice, right? It's about practice, practice. We're practice. talking about practice. Yeah. Alan I practice, right? As Alan Iverson used to say, Practice. You're talking about practice. Here's the thing. I want guys who produce in freaking games. 
I mean, I don't care what he does in practice. Okay, <laughs> what? Tell me, I'm going to guarantee. Do they even shoot the puck on the goal in practice because they can't score? So, I mean, is that even something they do? Do they all just lay around in the defensive zone all the time and try to keep pucks out of the net? I don't know what the hell they do. But I'm going to tell you what. They certainly don't They don't score, so they obviously don't shoot the puck. I want this kid out there. Why? Because he shoots the freaking puck. Stop. I will. T- I stop. Hold on. I will tell you this much. When we talk about practice, there are always players who are unbelievable practice players but just cannot perform in the game and vice versa. There are players who dog it. Don't give it two shits in practice, none at all, but perform extremely well in the games. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was a combination of the poor performance on the ice and poor performance in practice has earned him a spot there on the bench. I'll tell you, he's too damn talented to keep there on the bench long term. But we're moving to the next questions, Grump. But one, quick. Question, one, one thing Ovechkin, notorious for not being a great practice player. Did he ever sit him in Washington? Absolutely not. If Barry Trotz sat Alexander Ovechkin, I'm pretty sure they would have hung him outside the arena. They would have hung him in effigy outside the arena. See, you didn't let me finish my point. Don't ever jump in when the grumpy old man's talking and make it. I'll tell you again. That's exactly right. Because who? So who did he sit? He he sat the young guys. That's who he sat. The uh, you know we we Verona, all those guys. Okay. Well, moving along, grumpy old man. Um, Michael Z there, another YouTube comment says there, Islanders are done. It's upsetting. Yeah. I'm not sure it's done. I'm I'm not in that ilk. I think we could still course correct, but we have to make the right moves here going forward. We have to put out a lineup that gives us a legitimate shot to win game in and game out. I mean, fighting tooth and nail to win every single game. When you you fall upon hard times, they're going to be really freaking rough. We're not consistent enough to win. We're not consistent enough. I mean, if we played the Barry Trot system, we're good enough to be teams that are poorly coached because Barry's a good coach, okay? If we play that structured system and get a couple of lucky goals here or there, we can beat those teams. But when we come up with a team that's a juggernaut, we have no shot, just none. Moving right along here, Nick D also says there Barry has to put Bellos in on the first line next game. I'm gonna tell you that I don't think Bellos is gonna touch the lineup uh, at all the rest of the season. I would be shocked. Maybe, maybe, maybe Oliver Wallstrom would get some time, but I, I just don't think that's gonna be the case. He might Bellos. get some time here on uh, Monday, but who knows? Bellos, Bell, uh, Bellos has the Josh Hosang feel to him at this point in the Islanders organization, I feel, where he's not going to give a shot and they'll make up reasons why they don't play him like they did with, uh, you know, just fictitious reasons why they don't play Hosang and never gave him a shot. Bellows is right there too. Michael in there says, every forward on this team is a glorified Blake Como, unless you're Pajot, Nelson, Bavillier, or Barzal. And I think Nelson's been bad recently. Maybe it's because... Uh, the fact that Palmieri's playing on his line, he's infected him with devil disease. I mean, that could be it too. Zajac plays on the first line. They tank. I mean, it, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. Like I said, that's what happens. You trade from guys from real loser teams who don't have a whole lot of talent. They infect your team with some type of loser virus. That's what it happens. And I oh. think that's what happened to Nelson. But here's the thing. Who's on Nelson's left wing? Freaking Michael Del Cole. 
I was about to say, I don't think it's Kyle Palmer. I think of the fact that he's being saddled there with Michael Del Cole does not help. And then Michael Z also says there, we lost Lee, but we made bad trades and gave away picks. Uh, Lou better get some picks back in some capacity. Maybe you can move Matt Barzell for a second rounder. He doesn't fit what they do. Let's be honest. He doesn't fit what they want on this team. He absolutely doesn't. They should trade him. They should trade him for whatever they could get and then pick up more Casper Holmstrom's in the first round. That's what they want. They don't want anyone with talent. I I'm firmly believe that. Vinny Smith says, name one player Barry has developed on this team. Um, there's quite a few. There's quite now, a few. I, think, I was about to say, I, when I think about develop, I think he had absolutely developed Brock Nelson a guy who had been wildly inconsistent for the majority of his career. And he was able to go ahead and make sure that he was a more consistent player. And I know you said he's been struggling as of late. He completely revolutionized it and really was able to maximize what Brock Nelson brought out there on the ice for certain. I think that he held Brock Nelson accountable, even though not in the press, he certainly didn't. Um, because when Brock makes mistakes, you never hear about it. But And to Barry's credit, he didn't single out Barzell tonight. He did describe the play with what Barzell did, and you know it pissed him off. But he did not mention him by name, so I'm going to give Barry credit for that. Because normally he would. Maybe Matt Barzell just said, you mentioned me in the press today, I'm going to kick your ass, old man. Maybe that's what he said. If you want to call me out behind closed doors, I'm fine with that. Stop singling me out in the press. Because now you have the press talking about everything that Matt Barzell does. That comes from the coach. You should never rip your top player all the time is a mistake. Do you ever hear Edmonton, if uh, Connor McDavid doesn't come back and play defense or makes a bad pass, you hear him getting ripped by the coach? Absolutely not. You, you don't hear Austin Matthews getting ripped up there in Toronto. I mean, Toronto media is unbelievable uh, with mm -hmm. the ferocity they have. Do you see Austin Matthews getting ripped all that often, the guy who leads a team there in goals? I think he leads a team in points also. Do you see him getting ripped? No. You, you don't. You want to. Rip, you want to alienate your best players. Start ripping them and letting the other guys off the hook. I'm sorry. You just don't do it. You don't do it in the press. If you want to do something like that behind closed doors to make a point, fine, but not in the press. Migrating away from this here, Grump, because we've hit on this point a lot. We need to get to the remainder here. The comments there. Uh, Michael Z also said, "I'd rather Bellows be playing than these two X whack devils." I figured you would like that there, Jay. Jay Rich says, same exact guy who says that uh, guy or gal says that uh, Matt Barzal is overrated. Are you guys retarded bashing trots? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Here's the thing. We always stick by this point. We always will. If you think that a coach is infallible and every decision he makes is completely perfect, you are an idiot. You're an idiot. There's no coach that does every single thing right. We give Barry Trotz a lot of credit. He's an excellent coach. But you're never going to see us take a stance of, Everything Barry Trotz does is 100% right. And think about the coach speak that he came out with earlier on this year, right? He had every single one of you who listened to every word he says when he said, Oliver Walsh was going to be a huge part of our future success. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. You could see right through that. It's coach talk. And that's the thing. Like People who don't know the coach talk aspect. Like When I hear stuff like that, immediately I'm like, well, that's coach talk. So you know, here's the thing. Barry Trotz, <laughs> unbelievable head coach. But uh, I wouldn't consider we do bashing them. We point out that, hey, maybe we need to make an adjustment here or there. That's not bashing the coach. If I was out there saying Barry Trotz's system is terrible. Oh, we got a call here coming in. Grumpy old man. Rusty Spooner. Hey, you're live here with TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Who do you have with us? Rusty Spooner. Hey, what's up, guys? It's 
Hey, it's Rusty Spooner. Hey, Rusty, how are you? Hanging in there, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, no, uh, I, I'm guys cold and more than that and 19 and 2 when the guys started and and I'm a grumpy too. I don't blame why I'm so pissed off. I mean, uh, I'm pissed off too. I just see the guy with money all the time. That rich shot cannot yeah, and the thing is, too, rookies go through slumps. Could you imagine Kaprizov there for the Minnesota Wild if he was with the New York Islanders, if he went through a little bit of a slump? Could you imagine? Oliver Wallstrom, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, was in the Caldler contestion. He was in the Caldler trophy race. He was a top 10. He was the top 10 list at that time period, and we then started to bench him. He was top 10 on the Calder list. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the, uh, that's, that, that's one thing that like I love, Barry. Like, Trotz is the man. But that's the weird thing, right? I don't know how he sits the man. Like, I was happy when we got Paul Mary and he off track. I pronounced his, butchered his name, but he's a devil. I really don't care too much, but I do respect the man. But I'm just saying, like, that makes no sense where you can have that on the best rotation where Wilshram is money. He's a go-get-it. He's a dragon for us. And not in, like, our bullshit, you know, whatever mascot that we have. I mean, like, he's a legit dragon and goes for it. And I, it's, I'm sad about it. It's, it's, it's undeniable. And I don't see what Barry's going for. And I'm sorry for cutting you gentlemen off. Sorry. Uh, no problem. Thank you so much for the call, Rusty. I just want to, I want to comment. You're on welcome, that. brother. Thank you. Um, you know, the whole thing, you know, I'm just getting back to the Barry being infallible thing from the previous comment you mentioned, I have to ask him, do you think the lines that he puts out there with Komarov or Zajac playing on the first line or Michael Del Cole being a second line player, does any of that fall on him? He's the one who's making those lineup decisions and the lines don't work. So whose fault is that? Well, here's the thing. People think no matter what's rolled out there, that it's the best opportunity in case scenario. And I believe that to a certain extent. I really do. I want to believe that Barry Trotz is able to evaluate what he sees in practice and he tries to roll out there the best of what he thinks. I think, though, to, you know, he relies upon consistency in veterans more than he will take a chance on a guy who who possibly uh, might not perform. I, you know, I, I'm done talking about it, though, Grump. I mean, I think we've hit on it enough there with Oliver Walsh from not playing. Um, you know, only time will tell. I don't want the entire podcast to be a two hour long bash fest there. Uh, or anything like that, you know, I, he needs to be put in the lineup. And I, I guess that's the last point I've got on it here today. Okay. If someone else mentions it, I'll comment on it then. We'll keep you <laughs> quiet for a while. That works. Oh, my goodness gracious. Tom White there says, Grumpy Old Man has a good point. How do you create a sense of accountability when good players don't sit when they play poorly? There you go. That's, you know... You want to send a message to the team. You don't sit a fourth liner. You sit a first liner or a second liner. Guys that you can, guys that everyone in the locker rooms knows are the trusted ones on the team, and they know. They know who they are. You sit one of those guys. All of a sudden, everybody, okay, our ears are perked up. We better pick up our game. Then you'd see the team pick up the play. Michael M says Phil was spitting heavy facts for certain. He was there when he came on. There was commenting. 
Um, yeah, I've been having issues there, Grumpy. I, I know you could tell with the camera, and we're getting a whole bunch of these pigeon comments, and I, I feel like I've got to show a few of them. Alexander was saying, I think TJ's pigeon plays better than Josh Bailey. Obviously, all jokes, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what's with, with your internet today. You were little janky on the voice and then you had the pigeon popped up i don't know what the problem is yeah, i was about to say michael z they're saying get it together tj yeah so again i think long story short i've got to get a new piece of equipment it's old but uh it's the last thing i need there um yeah but i'll tell you it's um going forward i think we have to win monday monday is almost a must-win scenario grumpy old man i think we lose monday i don't think there's any way we beat them in washington i i, I just don't I think that the difference with us beating them last year uh, was the fact that Reardon was the coach. I firmly believe that. Laviolette is a much better coach than Reardon. He is, is he as good a coach as Barry Trotz? He's close. I don't know if he's better, but he's close. And with their skill level, uh, that makes them a better team. I just feel that way. I, I, I Particularly early in the year when we played them, they just dominated us. Even when they had four or five guys out. They dominate us, and they dominate us tonight too. And for the most point, they dominate us on Thursday night too. They're a better team than we are. To think about it, right? They had they were missing Samsonov, they were missing Orlov, they were missing Kuznetsov, and they were missing Ovechkin. And they still were pulling off wins left and right against us. They won both those games without those players. Got a comment here from Jay Rich also saying, blame Lou Lamarillo, not Trotz. Get real players instead of average players and have the balls to get a game changer to go with Barzal. But that, see, see, that's where Jay doesn't get it. That's not the Barry Trotz system. He doesn't want that type of player on his team. He wants the guys where everyone put, subjugates the offensive game to play defense. That's his system. I feel if they go into the offseason and they say, hey, let's make a conscious change on how we're going to play the game, I don't see it happening. But this is what I would do. We need to incorporate more offense into our game, maybe to sacrifice a little bit of defense. or But we need to get more offensive skill players on our top lines. They've been talking about it for three years, and they never do it. That's what they need to do. Uh, I blame Trotz because he is in, I'm going to tell you, he is in on any decisions that are made. He buys in with what, what Lamarillo says because I know they talk and they want a certain type of player to fit their system. Exactly. I mean, coaches go out there and they say, hey, general manager, this is what we're looking for. This is what I think will help improve our team and push it in the right direction. I mean, even if – and again, there might be some compromise there where he says, I want – XYZ player. I want Alexander Ovechkin. Well, we can't actually get you Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, these are players that are more realistic there for our situation. Then he goes ahead and looks at it, assesses the situation, says, all right, these are the guys we need. So, I mean, that might be a little back and forth, but you have to believe that the head coach, the head coach should be in on all those decisions when you make trades like that. Not saying, you know, Barry is, but I'm sure he is. And then Jay Rich also saying, great call, Phil, 100% correct. And then Will S. also said that was an awesome call there by Phil. Just giving Phil there some kudos. And then Nick D. says, uh, dealing Taves was a mistake. Yep, without a doubt. That's all That's all on Lamarillo. Every single bit of it. Mismanaging the cap the previous years before, signing ham and eggers like Komarov, re-signing the $6 million man, not real or not realizing or realizing and not thinking what you could have done with Johnny Boychuk going long-term injury or Andrew Ladd cost you a top four defenseman 26 years old for the long term. That's what it cost you. Your defense 
and your offense would be better with Devon Taves here. But you gave him away for two second-round picks that are probably going to be guys who are probably fourth-line players. Yeah, and I will tell you this much. I want to get back to it. Trotz has done a lot of good for the Islanders. A lot of good for the Islanders. He's developed players. I just think sometimes his lineup decisions out there could at least something to be desired occasionally. That's that's where we come in an issue, and I, I've always had an issue when somebody rips a player out there to the press and so into the media. Um, I do have issues with that, and they, and they kind of treat him unfairly. But other than that, I really don't have a lot of issues with Barry Trotz. I think he's an excellent coach. The defensive style is like the vampires. We're the vampires of the NHL. We talked about it last year during the bubble time period. We have to suck the blood, the life, and the enthusiasm out of other teams. And when they fall asleep or they have these moments of frustration, that's where the Islanders are able to strike and score and make it count. We have to be the vampires of the NHL. And you saw Pelly's comments post game, right? We were trying to play too much of the Washington Capitals game. We we're going tit for tat up and down the ice. You know, we need to get more to our style. That just means, yeah, we can't keep up with the high fire, uh, high powered Washington Capitals offense. We have to try to slow everything down and try to take all the fun and enthusiasm out of games and go ahead and strike when the team gets frustrated, the opposing team. The only thing that he didn't say on that was, as the grumpy old man has said in the past. That's the only thing that Pellick didn't put in that comment because it's what I've been saying forever. And then Michael Z also says, we're going to get steamrolled if we don't wake up. We need an enforcer as well. Getting beat up, I don't care if we give up, uh, if we give a lot of hits, they don't hurt anybody. Yeah, sometimes you have to send a message. Sometimes you have to get a little bit physical. I mean, when was the last time Matt Martin even threw a body check? I can't even remember. At least Clutterbuck still does occasionally. Casey once every three or four games. But other than that, nobody hits anybody. Barzell had a nice hit today. Butch even complimented him. I'm like, I probably uh, pulled some of Butch's fingernails out after the game after you made a positive comment about Matt Barzell. Uh, but at least he said, you know, you don't have to run a guy through the boards. It was a nice check by him. That's why, you know, anyone who rips Matt Barzell – I almost want to say you don't even know what hockey's about. I mean, because that kid has so much drive. I feel he's frustrated right now, and I'd be frustrated too. Honestly. Say, and, and you know, people are like, "Hey, I want to write an article there, kind of talking about Matt Barzal need to be producing up." And I, I put it like this: I'm like, I try to look at it just like I try to look at it from Barry Trotz's point of view. I try to look at it from from Matt Barzal's point of view here. I'm sure he's frustrated. There's no way you can tell me he's excited about having a revolving door at his first line left wing position. He's not excited about that. He wants to have somebody there who's consistent who can help them produce goals because that is his main job as a number one center is to help produce offensive production. And, and he just doesn't have a consistent line mate who can help him with that as a left winger. Well, Jordan Everly's been cold too. So, you know, and he's a streaky guy because when they're when he's hot, then that, you know, then it's not, otherwise it's Mapajal all on his own. I mean, it's like Mapo's all playing with me and TJ as his wings. I mean, it's not going to be conducive to him scoring goals. I could tell you one thing. Uh, I could make sure I park myself in front of the net. I'm not sure how great I do on a back check and uh, or anything like that, grumpy old man. But if you let me strap myself to some cinder blocks in front of the net, I could maybe win a puck battle. But that's about it. Uh, I, I would we'd be awful out there on ice. <laughs> yep. uh, Michael Z also said, bring in Josh Hosang. Uh, Jay Rich says there. Barry Trotz is the first-year coach and a second-year, two games from the Stanley Cup. Uh, Third, we're currently three points out of first place with average talent. What do you guys realistically want? That's the thing, right? I think Barry Trotz 
is an excellent coach. He really is. He the sum is always greater than the parts. But you see certain instances to where you could make just a slight adjustment that could really tilt the needle in the right direction. But we're missing that little slight adjustment that can really help. That's what drives me insane. And I think that's because it seems so simple for us, the fans. And it might not be as simple as it seems, though, of course. I'm willing to admit that it might not be as simple as it looks for us. Okay. So Jay points out these things. First year, coach of the year. I could care less if he's coach of the year. He took a team that was really bad. And we got knocked out in the second round of the playoffs, which is what he does with most of his teams, regardless of where they come in the standings. So that's a typical Barry Trotz year. Second year, two games from, from making the cup finals, not from winning the cup, from going to the cup finals. That was only because we uh, of the, the rest that we had with the hiatus, the only reason. And the fact that Washington had Todd Reardon as coach, and Philadelphia was just garbage, which we almost lost them after dominating that series, had to win in game seven after losing three overtime games. This year, that's right, right now we're in third place, right? So we're maybe we're three points out of first place, but you want to know something? When all is said and done, we're going to be in fourth place, and we're going to get rolled in the first round. So to me, that means that your production is going down. See, I, that's where you and I don't see eye to eye. I don't agree that everything's set in stone ready for the playoffs because there are adjustments I think this team can make that would really tilt the needle in the right direction. I really do honestly believe that. Maybe that's my over-optimism shining through, but I really believe when Oliver Wallstrom's in the lineup and he's doing what he can do, I think it adds a special element to this team that we desperately need. Okay. Which team in the, in the Eastern Conference do you think we could beat in a seven-game series? Thing is that that scares the living hell out of me because we have an unbelievably tough conference. We haven't played absolutely stellar games against the Washington Capitals as of late, as we've seen the last two. But I mean, you look at the the previous two, we beat them. But the the Washington Capitals are a team that I would not like to play first round of the playoffs. The Boston Bruins, yeah, I know we dominated them earlier on. We won five the first five games. Uh, but it seems like after this Taylor Hall trade. And postseason Boston Bruins are a completely different team. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, I do not want to play. I hate the Penguins. I don't want to play the Penguins. They're unbelievably talented. I want to avoid the Penguins like the Black Plague. So, in other words, if what you're saying, if we go in and we play those teams, none of them you don't think we can beat. So if we lose in the first round of playoffs, that would prove my point correct, right? I'm not saying none of those teams we can beat. It's just not one of the – okay, let me put it like this. I'm not taking money to Vegas with any of those matchups for the Islanders' favor. I'm just not doing it. Okay. I just I just think we're on the way down. All the other teams are playing much better than we are right now. There's always ebbs and flows of the season. We need to get hot at the right time. Again, you, you've seen it before where teams of less talent have been able to make unbelievable playoff runs because they got hot at the right time. It's not impossible for us to go ahead and strike lightning, but have to make some changes. Okay, well that's the thing. All the other teams are getting hot at the right time. We're getting bad at the at the wrong time. That's all I'm saying. And then Sal P said tonight showed us why they should not extend Casey. Grumpy old man is correct about players losing it when they're when they're older. I assume when they hit thirty, do do not sign anybody who's thirty years old. Certainly nobody with that skill set. That's why you should be. That's why you should have been drafting. Uh, maybe Simon Holmstrom can be a fourth line winger. Maybe uh, I don't. I don't think he's physical enough. But that's why you should be. Re, that's why you should be replenishing that cupboard of prospects instead of dealing away picks. 
for guys who have done nothing for your team and really even going into it. I should, you know, I should never, ever question my judgment. I said I didn't want Kyle Palmieri for a reason. I never liked him, and now I know why. He sucks as a player. Oh, goodness gracious. And next comment, Grump, I'm sure is going to speak a little bit of that. Mark Astaire says, just unhappy about Palmieri. Thought he'd have three or four goals for us by now. Nope. No shot. I don't think he'll have three or four goals for us for the rest of the year. He's just he's a, he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit. I'm sorry. I don't. Like I said I never really watched the whole. He. I. I remember him playing for Jersey, but he never stood out for Jersey. You know what I mean? Even when we played them, I never said, "Oh man, that's Kyle Palmieri." It's like he's like nondescript, and he's the same thing with the Islanders. It's like I don't know. He's. Just, I don't. He, he nothing. He shows me nothing. Uh, Jay Rich there says this show sucks. These guys are blaming Barry Trotz. Stupid. Well, Jay, I'll tell you, everybody has a certain portion of blame to carry. Barry Trotz is an excellent coach. He's not infallible. Lou Lamarillo has built some excellent dynasty or an excellent dynasty there in NHL history. He's not infallible either. Just like the players out there on the ice, even if they're Matt Barzal, Sorokin, doesn't matter what ilk, they're not infallible. Everybody makes mistakes. I think what we do is we try to just shine light on the mistakes that are made by players, coaches, general managers, and by the organization. Also, we try to highlight the positives as well. When a team's struggling, there's not too many positives to highlight, are there? Here's the thing. Jay's obviously one of the can do more wrong crowd, he, without he, a doubt. But he, he does blame, though, Lou Lamarillo. So, again, I think he's he, – I, I said he's the Barry can do no wrong crowd. So, here's the thing. I'll ask the question again because it's valid. When Barry went to Stanley Cup in Washington and his contract was up, they made absolutely no effort to re-sign him. None. And he was there five years. He was on the verge of getting fired the year that he won the Cup. They didn't want him. That should that should See, you should question that. Why? And I'm not saying we should fire Barry Trotz. I think it was the best move that Lou Lamarillo has made. But to think that he's the be-all, end-all, he hasn't won a cup for us. He's only gotten out of the second round of the playoffs twice in his 20-some-odd-year coaching career. Twice. That was so one. That, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's also look into that, too. He got out twice. That was with one of the best goal scorers in NHL history, and a guy like John Carlson, if he continues to amass these unbelievable gaudy numbers, might even make a little a little stake there at a possible Hall of Fame claim. Uh, you know, think about that. I'll, uh, Alexander Ovechkin, first ballot guy, no doubt about it. Nicholas Backstrom, another guy who's going to have over 1,000 career points. Unbelievable player out there on the ice. And, uh, yeah, and just recently with us on the Islanders there after the bubble. Here's the thing. He played Pittsburgh, what, three, four years in a row when he was there in Washington? Couldn't beat them. Couldn't Even when they had a superior team, could not beat them till the last year when Pittsburgh had some injuries. Couldn't get it done. Because teams with superior talent will beat him. I think he's a fantastic, excellent regular season coach. I do not think he's a great postseason coach. That's what I'll say about him. And he has won a Stanley Cup. So, you know, great for him. Gotcha. David P. there says the Islanders are too predictable. Bailey, most time passes. Same with Dal Cole. Martin with his new contract just coasting along. Uh, Mayfield most times doesn't get the puck out of their zone. It's so frustrating. I'll tell you one thing. Martin, even though you don't think he's recently earned his contract, he's played well for the most. He's played better than I would have expected him to play this year. I really didn't expect anything from him. I, I don't expect much from him next year either. That being said, 
Dale Cole is what he is, and Mayfield's taking a huge step back this year. Yep, Mayfield, why? Devontae's is his partner. Um, you know, Letty, last year when he was playing with Boychuk, uh, that was, to me, was the number three defense pairing for them. And they don't fit. I still don't feel that they fit together well. Letty has had a bounce back year offensively, but defensively, and he's been a little bit better defensively this year, but you see what Devontae's brought to the table in regards to Mayfield, a totally different player. Uh, you might, the problem I have with Matt Martin wasn't the fact that they signed him back to me. You could have given him vet minimum and he would have come back and he certainly didn't need a four-year deal. That's my issue with him as a four-year deal for a 32 year old fourth liner. You don't stop handing out those contracts. You want to know why you're in cap hell? Because you keep on signing old guys to contracts like that. Yeah. I, I definitely agree there. Um, and Alexander also says, TJ Grumpy, I'm a diehard Mets fan. And yes, this pisses me off with what's going on there with the Grom. Uh, Jay Rich also says, Sorokin only looks good because of Barry Trotz's system. If he's on any other team, his goal is against average would be a, over three. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm, I'm saying I'm going to disagree with that. I think that uh, he has he has athleticism that few goalies have. He made a save today that uh, few goalies make doing the splits. Um, I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this about him. He's got unbelievable. He can make those unbelievable saves, those sprawling acrobatic saves. It's the consistency with him. He needs to get more consistent. And remember, it's his first year in the NHL, the best league in the world. Certain it doesn't bother me at all of what we're seeing right now. That being said, that is the biggest point for him working on consistency, working on rebound control, and not playing too deep into the net. I mean, like it gives him not enough time there for his reaction to make those stops. Uh, moving right along here, next comments here, Grump, because we got to go start going rapid fire here. Uh, Joe Fitzpatrick also says the older players are looking gassed, the defense are not skating and standing around, no bite or snarl on this team. Nobody is afraid of the six million dollar man anymore, Grumpy. The bionic woman's not even scared of him anymore. It's all over. True. I mean, he, he's not – that's what it is. When you got a bunch of old players, you play a style that's predicated on skating up and down and playing defense and all that stuff, no coasting. By the end of the year, you're gassed. You can't do that with old teams. I mean, the only reason we had success last year is that we had the hiatus. The only reason. We were, we were toast. When that highest came, best best thing that happened to us last year. Gotcha. We'll we'll get to that here in a second. Nick D says, "Do you think they'll extend Barry's contract for certain?" And they should. Yes. Um, moving right along, you speak about how they were toast at the end of the year. Brian P. Brian P. brings it up. Nineteen to twenty and nine in our last forty eight games last year. This kind of style is so hard to play every night over a long season. Um, it's where you're down. Uh, it wears you down. Uh, right before the pause last year. Barry himself said, I overcoached them. A 17-game unbeaten streak uh, would have been the longest by far for a team that misses the playoffs or could have missed and, the playoffs. Yeah, and I subscribe to the fact that we would not have made the playoffs last year if the uh, if the season had continued on. We would not have made the playoffs. And, but Brian's exactly right. I've been saying that for how many years now? It, and it's true. Gotcha, grumpy old man. Mark S. there says, how about a new fourth line of 14, 53, and 26? You're wasting 26 on the fourth line. Yeah, or he says 14, 53, and 21. I would not put Kyle Palmieri on the fourth line. No. So, 
I was about to say, could you imagine if they were to roll out a fourth line there, Paul Marion, Zajac, essentially giving away a first and fourth round pick for two fourth liners? Yeah, no. Productions looked like and Rich there, Rich uh, Ray Rich there, or Jay Rich there says uh, Wallstrom, Sorokin, and Dobbs, and I have high hopes for, but Bellows not so much. This is the thing. How can you say that about Bellows? You've never even seen him play. Well, now here's here's the thing about Kiefer Bellows. I have a really sick expectation of what what he what he brings to the table. I'm not expecting a guy that's going to be an unbelievable skater. I'm not expecting a guy that's going to be an unbelievable stick handler. He's got unbelievable vision there with passing the puck. I see a guy, when I see Kiefer Bellows, who just throws the puck towards the net, who could win those puck battles, who's not afraid to throw the body, and does a good job of plopping himself right in front of the net, just like somebody else we have on this team who, who's injured currently at the moment. He plays a similar game style to number 27. Yeah, not as good as twenty seven. I'm saying he plays a similar style to that. There, where he's that power forward, where he wins a lot of those battles along the boards and has to be physical there in front of the net. Except he skates better. He's able to make. He's actually able to make plays in front of the net. He can make plays going towards the net. The fact is, they don't like Kiefer Bellows. They don't want to play him. The only reason he played the first two games is because he scored goals. As soon as he didn't score a goal. Right to the bench he went. They don't like him. They don't want him on the team. Uh, he, no, he's not going to play for us. He's never, got, he's never gotten a legit shot. That's the thing that burns my butt. Just like Hoshang never got a legit shot. Gotcha. Matthew S. there says, you mentioned it, gap control. I saw tons of space above the circles when the, the Capitals defense had the puck. Nobody stepped up and challenged him. Yeah, it was not the whole game, though. And that's I don't that's that's the thing that just it baffles me. You know that's what he's talking about in practice all the time. You know it. You know that the system is predicated on gap control, the cohesiveness between the D-men and the forwards coming back together. And it's not even that they were the gap was so far apart. You had the defense stretched like almost board to board. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And then it's straightened out. I just for a veteran group. I don't understand why that happens. Well, Phil Fax says there uh, they gave up Verona, who's playing better than Manta. I know you keep saying, oh, it's a great trade by Manta. Yeah, sure. And a short term is a good trade for Manta. They gave up two first round. They gave up, what was it, two first or first and a second? I can't remember what they gave up draft, uh, significant draft capital and Jacob Verona. Just so I go ahead and give you this number here, uh, Grumpy Old Man. Jacob Verona there, four games through there with the Devil or with the, with the Red Wings, five goals, one assist, plus four over that time period. And what's Mantha's numbers? Uh, he's got four goals, one assist, and five games. Okay, so virtually the same. Okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the Capitals got fleece in that deal. I okay. understand that Mantha's playing well now, but uh, long-term, that's not a good trade for them. But what does Mantha bring that Verona doesn't? Physical presence on that line. See, that's the difference. He gives them something on that line that they don't have. He's a physical presence. What? You don't see that with Oshie and Backstrom. Okay. Well, usually uh, Alexander Ovechkin plays with Oshie and Backstrom. Well, with I, Kirk, again, like I don't he, know. He brings a physical element as well as being a goal scorer. I, here's the thing. Did they give up a little bit much? Yes. But he brought them an element that the team was missing to a certain extent. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Grump. I'll tell you one thing. They have physical presence on that team. Not too worried about it because even on that second line, they've got Tom Wilson. So they have the physical presence. I think they just wanted a guy like Man or uh, Mantha. Remember, Verona was healthy scratched 
earlier on there for the Washington Capitals, which I didn't, again, like I don't watch enough Washington Capitals games to know and understand why he was healthy scratch, but I know he was healthy scratch earlier on in the season. And uh, again, a young guy who was healthy scratch back during the Barry Trotz time period there with the Washington Capitals and healthy scratch just recently by the Washington Capitals this season. Um, but yeah, Verona has played well there since joining the, the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and again, I think the, the Capitals got fleeced in that deal. And maybe, you know what? It worked out kind of well for both parties, but I think they gave up way too much draft capital there for Mantha. Yeah, but they're in win-now mode also. They're a team in win-now mode with Ovechkin and Carlson. Uh, so, uh, like I said, I was impressed by Mantha the two games that I saw the last couple of games. He, he brings an element that Verona just doesn't bring, and that's what I think that they want. They're a, they're a team that wants to play a heavy physical game, and I just think he fits in. So uh, I don't know what TJ thinks on that. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but are, are you there, TJ? Well, probably did. Yeah, he probably did a horrible job stalling there as my internet went in and out there. I heard. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Sometimes I see your face moving. Sometimes I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, what can I say? I got to apologize. My internet's been shoddy. My camera has been shoddy tonight. It has been just like, you know what? It's been shoddy just like the Anders play was tonight. There we, go. there we go. Yep. Oh, geez. Jay Rich said Ross Johnson, he's out for the rest of the year because he got his ass kicked. Honestly, I really wonder what happened to him. I, Ross Johnson is the first fight he ever lost. And I still tell you, he was still punching the living shit out of Morin, too, even though he lost that fight. I, I'll tell you, I love Ross Johnson. I love the grit to him, but he's never a player that's going to play and work out here. It's unfortunate. He seems, again, like all these players are nice, but that's a guy who has the heart even when nobody else on his team had it under the Doug Waite system. But think about it, right? You knew he wasn't going to get a shot here. You knew he wasn't going to get a shot here. Why did you sign him to a four-year extension if you knew he wasn't going to play? And they had to know. He never had a shot to play here. And they give him a four-year million-dollar-a-year contract, and you wonder why you're getting capital because all this stuff adds up. I mean, here's the thing. He's another guy never gotten a legit shot to stick. He is what he is. And I'm going to tell you again, a really good coach doesn't try to jam a square peg into a round hole. They don't do it. They tailor their system to fit the player's skill set. And that's one thing that Barry Trotz does not do. Really good coaches do that. He does not do that. And I consider him a really good coach, but he does not do that. Gotcha, Grump. Again, we're going to have to go rapid fire. We're at two hours, Grump, so we're going to have to keep the pontificating to a minimum, Grumpy. That's message for you. Uh, Jay Rich there says, blame Lou Lamarillo for the old team for certain. We do. Um, and again, this is a team when you fall there, and the fall from grace is going to be hard and fast and hard. It's going to be yep. ugly when it happens. Um, that being said here, Nikki also says, Grump, who would you bench? Depends on when. Uh, first of all, I would have benched Bailey and Brock Nelson early in the year when they were invisible. Bench one one game, one the next, send a message. I mean, if you want to bench Matt Barzell, if you feel that's important to you, do it for a game. If you see that Anders Lee wasn't playing great and he was not at the beginning of the year, you bench him for a game. You can bench the whole fourth line. If you want to send a message and you want to get guys to toe the line, you make everybody uh, – responsible for how they play out there on the ice. And that's one thing Barry does not do. Uh, two minutes of pessimistic in there says, uh, I could describe what Komarov, Del Cole, and Green does, etc. I can't describe what Paul Mary does. And I thought the trade was a good one initially. He's been invisible. He's like Claude Rames, the invisible man. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing. The entire team's been struggling, so I'm, you're going to find it hard there for me to blame one individual player. But we could say as of right now, um, trade doesn't look like it has yielded the results that they intended it to do. No. I 100% agree. <laughs> Eric A. says, tonight was so bad. The best thing about tonight was the pigeon. Sign him. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, maybe. You know what? Nothing else needs need to be said about that. There's the pigeon. There we go. He is up. He's ready there for contract negotiations. You can look at that face. It looks a little feisty. Um, it looks like pigeon looks bald. Next comment. Oh, thank you, grumpy old man. And David S. said the rest. The rest screwed us big time. Without a doubt, both games. Honestly, both games. Um, and here we go there. Uh, Brian P says, TJ, not true. Bellows played three games with a Barzal's line and scored three goals and got benched for that bum Leo. Very true. Very true. Mighty <laughs> short leash for Kiefer Bellows. And uh, Rusty Spooner, I know he called in there earlier, he says, why the F are we not talking about, are we not talking about Wallstrom in the rotation? We're 19 and 2 when he's playing WTF Grumpy. Trust me, we have been talking plenty about that tonight. Yeah. Um, the most important, the most important number is 21. That's his age. And David S there says Trotz won a Jack Adams two years ago, but the mistakes he's making is worrisome. Almost feels like he's worse than Captain. No, 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 no. He's not worse than Capuano. He's an excellent coach. And again, I'm willing to also say this too. It's unfortunate. He's working with a limited crew out there. I mean, everybody, he does have ways I think he can maybe push the team forward a little bit, but yikes. Here's the problem with Barry, and I totally agree that uh, the team is not worse than when Capuano is there. I would um, rather have Barry Trotz 100, 100 out of 100 times. The only thing that's worrisome about Barry Trotz is his refusal to play the younger players, guys who have who have actually have potential to get better. He'd much rather fall back on something he knows and that's that's a i consider that a huge issue with him yeah and again like i will say here blame lou lamarillo for getting us average talent for certain we do uh we yep. do jay and tom white says when Ovi gets paid millions a year a coach can't afford to sit him when he puts up goals like he does yeah I, <laughs> well let's but i mean it doesn't stop from criticizing barzal I mean, I, I think if Barzell had a bigger rep around the league, he wouldn't be able to do that. Yep, and then Alexander there says, John Tavares has been getting ripped by the Toronto media for certain he has. Why? No, I'm not, we're, not, we're not hashing up John Tavares because That's I don't right. have to go but on my But here's the thing. Why? Because he's in his 30s, and as I said before, hockey players age like vinegar, not like wine, not like fine wine. Oh, Matthew S. says – Grumpy old man, use those scissors to cut the braids on his noodle. Well, it's funny there. Uh, Tom White also said that you should use those scissors to cut your massive eyebrows earlier. Let me tell you something. I don't have massive eyebrows. I don't know about the guys on this podcast, but I, I like when I go get my hair cut, they'll always ask me, yes, do you want to trim your eyebrows? I'm like, absolutely. I don't look like Frank DeFord or Eugene Levy or anything like that. I mean, even though I think he trims them down, I make sure that they're trimmed down. The one thing I hate is having eyebrows that are popping up. I'll even trim them myself sometimes. And then Rusty Spinoff says, wow, I'm sorry my reception was horrible, beyond horrible. You guys are great. I do appreciate that, Rusty. And Jay also says there, if the Islanders win the division, Trotz is in the group for Coach of the Year. For certain, he's in the group for Coach of the Year, but I think who's going to win the Coach of the Year? Quinville. Quinville or Carolina's coach. 
Quinville there or Rod Brandemore? Brandemore, yeah, Brandemore. Oh God, Brandemore's done a great job with them, right? Well, like, the crazy thing about it too, you want to talk about a guy who hit the ground running, man, oh man. Look at how they revamped it. Look at look at how Carolina revamped their team with just a couple of trades, tweaked that team in a really. I mean, they're playing Florida, who's been with Quinville and Tampa Bay, and they're leading division. Think about that. I mean, what a great job by Brindamore. And I hate Brindamore because he used to play for the Flyers. But what a great job he's done. Hmm. Give, give credit where credit's due. For certain. And then Nick D says there, Lavillette is a great coach. Loved him when he was coaching us. Uh, do you think they will make a trade for Forsberg during the offseason? I thought Forsberg would have been perfect for us. You uh, said, he said, do, do you think it's going to happen? No. I was about to say, there's no way we're making any trades this offseason unless it's us giving up certain more, unless it's giving up draft capital in order to ensure that the Seattle Kraken takes a certain player off our roster. I just put all the guys who make money out there and expose them and let the Kraken take whoever they want off of there. If you make money, you're getting exposed. I don't care who you are. Uh, That's what I would do. Get You want to get money off your cap? You protect Scott Mayfield as bad as he's played and you expose Nick Letty. Because that's five and a half million off your cap, as opposed to one point four five. There is no difference between the two of them. Between, hold on, you said there's no difference between Scott Mayfield and Nick Letty. Not when you, not when you look at the salaries. You're right up against the salary cap. You think that Nick Letty is the difference between us being a great team and not a great team? I don't think so. Here's the thing, too, right? I mean. Uh, Sebastian Ajo is on a one-way contract there for next season, so he's got to play. Otherwise, he goes down there. He's got to be waived to minors. You know, he's just saying someone wouldn't pick him up. Um, also, I'm mean, like Samuel Bolduck has been tearing it up for Bridgeport, absolutely tearing it up there in Bridgeport. So again, maybe it's time to go ahead and integrate a guy like him into the lineup. Who knows? I will say this much: I don't know what the Islanders are going to do in, uh, for the expansion draft. I we'll get to That's that awesome. later. That's, that's, off-season. Off-season. that's off-season's right. Two minutes pessimistic. He says, I don't think our defense is as strong as people think. Uh, Letty and Mayfield makes me nervous. It has for me all year. I worried when we talked about the preseasons just before we went into the season. That's what I said. I'm worried they don't look like a good match, and they haven't all year. And then uh, David S. there says Taves has been ripping it up there in Colorado. And again, Tom White says, though, you know, he is surrounded by a good team. I will tell you this much, though. We knew that Devon Taze was going to be excellent. That style fits his high-flying high, high flying style of uh, play, heavy forechecking. I mean, 41 games played, six goals, 17 assists, plus 25. Uh, he's been outstanding. He's logging almost 25 minutes a game. I mean, here's the benefit of the Barry Trot system for Devon Taze. Colorado's a running-gun team, and if you can believe this, he brings defensive stability to that team. He was a missing piece for them, a defenseman who could be offensive and a puck mover but knew how to come back and play defense. And that that is the strength of Barry Trotz, is teaching these guys how to play defense. I thought it was a bad move to move him. You don't move young defensemen. We decided to do it. Colorado benefited, and he's going to have a long, prosperous career there, and we're going to have a couple of second-round picks who do nothing. Here's my thing. We got absolutely bent over the barrel in that trade because we knew the value Devon Taves had. No matter what team he went to, he's a top four defenseman. In Colorado, he's a top pairing guy who's going to be putting up, you know, in normal seasons, 35, 
sometimes even 40 points a season and having unbelievable plus minuses year in and year out. If you're telling me you're going to trade a guy who's a top two defenseman on a team that's going to be in the playoff contestion every single season, you gave up only, you only received two second round picks for a guy like that who is middle aged, just entering the prime of his career. You got absolutely screwed in that deal. And he signed a very, very friendly and manageable deal as well, Grump. Very, very friendly, without a doubt. I mean, think about it. $4.1 million a year. That's that's what he got paid. Think about that. I mean, you couldn't have fit him under the cap. You had enough money to fit Corey Schneider, Andy Green, the $6 million man. You had enough money. You made deals for them, right? You think about how much money is that? You couldn't have just brought somebody up from the minors. It was it was short-sighted. It was a real huge mistake. A rich pay for it for years. Gotcha, Grump. Rich C there says Trotz makes out lineups based on age. Walsham should be playing. He also says Barzal now knows what JT felt like. Very true. But I will say this: John Tavares had the. Uh, he was more of a guy who was a facilitator who could score where Matt Barzell uh, focuses on individual play. And that's what drives his game. Uh, sorry, wrong. How about there? Uh, John P there says rebound, regroup, playoffs are a new season. They for certain are a new season. And again, as much as today might seem doom and gloom, playoffs haven't started. There's still time to get the right lineup out there on the ice. There's still time to course correct, even though you think the team's done grump. I still, I still think, you know, it's playoffs are a new season. That's a hundred percent right. Uh, David C says, where's the fire hydrant? D-cut knows. D-cut definitely does know. Um, You know, one thing I didn't bring up today was the fact that, uh, you know, Tomasino and McMichael and Kaliev are doing way better than Casper Holmstrom. I didn't bring it up today. And the three, yeah, the three amigos for certain Ryan Spooner also says, I trust him, Barry, but God dang it. It isn't easy when the East is a beast in the NHL. The East is by far the toughest and most competitive division in the NHL. It's not even close for a second. I'm not saying the best teams are in the Eastern division, top to bottom, but I think the teams, the four teams that are going to make the playoffs are really evenly matched. That's what I think makes that, that division so tough. We've, we've also said this too, Jay. We've said this before. If Trotz coach Pittsburgh, Washington, or Boston, they'd probably be a top three team in the league, hands down. We've said this. If he had a team that had more talent on it, he would. the regular season, he'd be a team up there for, uh, for winning the uh, best record of the year. I mean, I can't remember what the hell the trophy's called off the top of my head, Grump. President's Trophy. He'd be, he'd be in contention to win the President's Trophy year in and year out. Um, I, I'm going to tell you what. I mean, I think Barry's a really good coach, but Bruce Cassidy and Peter Laviolette and Mike Sullivan are no slouches. I'm sorry. Gotcha, girl. I mean, look, look what they've done. Look what they've done for those teams over the years. I mean, they're right up there every single year. Rusty also wants to know: Can he call back in? I'll talk future. Yeah, uh, yeah, Rusty. We're wrapping things up here, but if you want to call in here in the next few minutes, for certain, we'll be definitely able to talk a little about the future. Grump loves the future. He loves talking about the future. I live for the future. Oh goodness! Live for the future. Grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Oh, David C said, "Why are you ghosting my comments? I haven't commented. Oh, oh, 
I haven't commented on your receding hairline like the others. David, I have not seen any of your comments here. We've been we've been throwing through here, David. D cut. I'm not ghosting comments or anything like that. Um, but uh Grump, we're getting here towards the end. We're getting here towards the end of the podcast. It's been about a little over two hours, uh, around like twelve twenty Eastern Standard Time, Grumpy Everybody's Old Man. Everybody's asleep. Everybody's asleep. That's why I don't like doing Sunday nights. It's Saturday. What are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. That's Holy. why I mean, it's it's twelve. That's why I don't like doing Sundays because they always run long. That's all. I do want to tell everybody who's listening that we do have our NFL draft special coming up next Thursday on TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. You can see that on YouTube and on Facebook. And is it yeah, going to be on Facebook, Twitter? It can be found there on all those sites as well. Okay. It's going to be us kind of branching out, talking a little bit more about sports in general. So it won't be just Islanders talk, but uh, if you enjoyed like the charisma Grump Old Man has and uh, you want to see us more and have more content, you can find us there, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man as well. But Thursday is going to be specifically about the NFL draft. I think we're going to stick with that since it's draft night. Um, so, and it isn't, it'll be fun. Uh, one thing I guarantee is going to be fun. Absolutely, Grumpy Old Man. Is there anything else you want to say there before we wrap things up here today? No, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to shamelessly promote that draft special on Tuesday as well. <laughs> well, Tuesday we have a guest. It's going to be Tuesday after the Islanders game. We are going to have a guest on. It should be fun and definitely. Um, David C. also wants to know, Grump, you want to be an honorary member of the Isles Misery rated R. Go for it. Yes, sir. If Grump, I had any, if Grump, I knew anything about that, I'm sure I'd be into it. Oh goodness gracious! He'll take that and wear that with honor. Um, but uh, yeah, Grump, I you know I want to thank you for being on here. Thank you there for promoting, obviously there the the uh, separate venture we got going on there. And thank you everybody who listened here to the live stream, the podcast again. Grump, uh, grumpy old man, and I love when we get to talk and uh, message there with uh, fellow Islander fans there talking about uh, the current outlook of the team, talking about, you know, making a push there for the playoffs, winning possibly a Stanley Cup, what needs to be done, uh, how we can course correct, as well as looking there towards the future of this team. We love the Islanders. We bleed blue and orange, but we're more of a realist than the people who wear the rosy-colored sunglasses. But So thank you, grumpy old man. Thank you. This is not the pom-pom podcast, without a doubt. Um, but like I said, I want to say love and laughter to everyone who listened. And even those who don't, from TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Thank you, Grumpy. And thank you, everybody who listened here tonight. We do always appreciate it. Uh, we will be live again Tuesday post game. That's changing up for us. It's usually on Wednesdays, but Tuesday post game, we will be going live. Uh, so thank you, Grumpy Old Man. I do appreciate it as always. My pleasure.